This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen, all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right. Oh, stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's Game Day. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome in to ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black, along with Adam Abdallah. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are here till noon. We are open for business, and we will take your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Or you can get at us on Twitter, Abdallah, because we're millennials. We'll respond to you as we sit here and talk to you. Yeah, at Adam Abdallah. Hit me on the gram, at Adam Abdallah. Hit me on the Snapchat, at Adam Abdallah. Cross-platform. We will talk to Jesse Rogers at 930 about the Chicago Cubs. What's wrong? You didn't like it. You mumbled some nonsense Tell about your cross, your cross platforms or whatever. I don't know what you're doing over there. Uh, so I'm just going to carry on with the host seat, and I'm going to tell you that Jesse Rogers joins us in 25 minutes. Thanks. Patrick Finley at 945 will talk Bears. He's at Bears training camp. Uh, they started at, ni- at 815 this morning, so Finley will join us about halfway through practices today down in Bourbon A. Uh, Mike Renner from uh, Pro Football Focus will join us at 1010 this and morning. And the Bachelorette. Wait, what? And The Bachelorette. Well, he is a football expert for Pro Football Focus. He was on The Bachelorette. He was? He was a contestant on this year's season of The Bachelorette. Yeah, he's the football guy with the long hair on The Bachelorette this season. Yes. There there are two ex-football players. Well, one current football player, one ex-football player, and then one football analyst. And Mike Renner was that guy. Yes, he had the and, man uh, bun. He will join us at 1010. He's really good on the NFL, so we'll talk to him. Not so good on the Bachelorette. He wasn't? No, he got eliminated oh, pretty oh. quickly. Did he make the first cut of roses? Yeah, he made I think he made it to the point where you're like, who's that guy? Why is he still here? And then as soon as he said, why is he still here? She's, he like, she's like, sorry, I don't know who you are, so we're out. And then at 1130, we will talk to Nick Fordell because once again this week, as we sit here on a Sunday... Uh, you say, oh, it's a boring week, boring week of sports and uh, the All-Star Game. And here's Baseball Showcase. <clears throat> Guess what? On Wednesday, the NBA nudged aside baseball and said, we're trading one of the five best players in the league. Get out of here, baseball. We the got Canada. news. Here's some hot NBA news. We don't wait for days in between All-Star events to have our news happen. So uh, we will talk the NBA with Nick Ferdell at 1130 this morning. So Abdel, uh here, we'll talk to Jesse in about 25 minutes, but I want to start with the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, training camp has now started. Uh, they're on their way, and uh, new head coach, quarterback in his second year, and a lot of growth is going to have to be seen for Mitch Trubisky in this season early on, I think, for people to continue to stay on board. I know that you're always going to have the optimistic point of view from many Bears fans, mm-hmm. where this team's always going to have a chance to compete. The problem is... Uh, Trubisky has really shown us very little to this point to make me believe. Now, can he eventually turn into a great quarterback? Sure. I also thought Jared Goff was terrible as a rookie. 
He came out in his second year, and he completed passes. He stood tall in the pocket. He made the right reads. And Jared Goff all of a sudden became a pretty serviceable quarterback, a pretty good quarterback. So if Trubisky can make a jump like that, I'm all for it, and I can't wait. I just would like to see that first. And that's the the kind of the comparison that a lot of the optimists, Bears optimists, are making. They're, they're, they're seeing training camp through blue and orange glasses. Jordan Howard is catching passes. You've got Anthony Miller running the greatest routes, quote, I've ever seen from one Who tweeted uh, that? blog boy. Um <laughs> I don't think the Bears reporters are going to be happy that you're calling them blog boys. It, it was a, it wasn't a, a, a it was a, a Bears blogger. Well, the funny thing about that is I think NBA people would look at that as like a compliment. I know. Uh, and, I don't think NFL funny. people see and that. NFL as a com- people would yeah. see that and be like, "Oh, who's who's saying that about me? What do you mean, blog boy? Take my sport seriously." Uh, so anyway, I, I, there's iron. a lot. If you read a lot of it, going into the preseason, there is a lot of hype around the Bears. And deservedly so. They went out and got the hotshot, young, offensive-minded coach. They have the, quote, gunslinger quarterback who is hampered by the old-school coach, a archaic offense, and lack of weapons, right? So all this stuff is supposed to come together. They're supposed to be healthier. Their defensive coordinator stayed and is going to only be responsible for the defense. And head coach Matt Nagy is not going to be touching that part of the ball. And... Everything is kind of coming into place, and they look like one of the teams that has seen recent success. You look at the Rams. You look at the Eagles. You you look at teams like that that have made quick turnarounds, and they have the recipe right now for to be one of those successful teams. However, the counter to that is, and the way you and I kind of see it, is... You've got a quarterback that didn't play the entire season last year, He's and he didn't. he only played one season in college. He has the least amount of games under his belt out of the quarter, besides the rookie quarterbacks, out of the second year quarterbacks coming in. Deshaun Watson was hurt. He can't help that, right? You've got question marks on the offense, whether Kyle Long is going to be healthy, whether Jordan Howard can turn into a pass catching uh, running back, whether Allen Robinson is going to be healthy coming off of an ACL injury. You've got questions on the offensive line. The defense is probably going to be right around where we saw it last year, if not better. But. You have a lot of question marks on offense. The other thing that you have to take into effect is they the Bears play in the toughest division in football. The NFC North has the Packers last I checked, the Vikings last I checked, and the Lions last I checked. All very good teams, all better than the Bears. Until they prove me wrong, right? Sure. I want to see proof. I want to see I don't want to see it in training camp. I don't even want to see it in preseason. I want to see games before I make a judgment on how Trubisky is going to perform with a new offense. You can't, great, Jordan Howard's catching passes with no pads in seven on seven. Okay? Allen Robinson looks great. Anthony Miller's running awesome routes. Cool. No pads, seven on seven. I know they're practicing in pads today, but as a Bears fan, I want to see it on the field. Before I rush to these judgments of they're going to win 10 games, they're going to win nine games, they're going to have this high-flying offense. Everything on paper is leading up that way. It's like when you're baking something. You can print out a great recipe. You can go online and find awesome cake. But guess what? You're not Rachel Ray. So until you make it, until I taste it, I don't trust that you cook as good as Rachel Ray. Uh, hold on. Don't laugh uh, at me, Rachel. Eric Ostrowski is producing the show this morning. Uh, Eric, uh, yes or no, has has Abdallah ever baked anything? 
Uh, depends on what kind of butter he's using. I'm going to say yes, okay. just for other reasons. First of all, you want to pull the curtain back, ex-roommate? I made a mean banana bread. All right? All right, there you yeah, go. Yeah, you That's can. about the limit of my baking skills yeah. right there, too. I've, uh, I've also witnessed Abdallah make brownies in the apartment. You didn't try those. You had the banana bread, though, and it was delectable. I did, sputter, I did spread that butter on my toast, though. Yeah. Oh. Oops. That probably made for a fun day. Right, that's a way to wake up for your breakfast. I don't know if you're waking up after that. <laughs> okay, back back to what uh, you were yelling about, about the Chicago Bears and baking. It all looks good with the recipe, but you got to actually put it in the oven and watch it rise, right? And taste it. Got to taste it. Okay, that's fair. And I think the viewpoint that you have and I have, a lot of people are like, you guys are haters. This is a hater's take. Look at all the new toys we have. Isn't this team going to be good? And I think the, it's it's of the opposite mindset. I want them to be good. Yeah. I'm just realistic because I've lived here my entire life. You've lived here your entire life. We've watched this franchise disappoint mm-hmm. at every opportunity. Um, You know, the one thing I keep pointing to is last year on defense, this defense wasn't as good as many in the city hyped it up to be. Because if this defense was a top 10 defense, this team would have competed more last year. Uh, they're middle of the pack in the NFL. If you go to DVOA on footballoutsiders.com, the Bears were 14th at the end of last season in DVOA on defense. Now, you don't know what DVOA is. It's like war. It's a advanced analytics metric for units of football. Offense has one. Defense has one. Special teams. The overall team has one. Last year, the Bears overall or 22nd in the NFL at the end of the season in DVOA, which, to be honest, is much better than what I think we watched on Sundays. I think analytically, this team was better than what the final outcome of the season was with John Fox and how everything played out. Mm-hmm. But the Bears were only 14th on defense only in DVOA. So to me, they're going to have to make another leap defensively to even compete like many people are hoping for with this new offense, with the offensive-minded head coach Nagy and quarterback Trubisky in year two. I think you're going to have to see improvements on both sides of the field for the Bears to even be a relevant team next year. And then the one thing you and I talk about each week throughout the football season when we're on the air here on ESPN 1000 is no one ever wants to talk about special teams. Well, part of the reason the Bears have been so bad recently is because their special teams have been so bad. Last year in DVOA, on special teams, they're ranked 23rd. So you're looking at three phases of the game where the Bears are going to have to improve big time to actually compete. And I think that's where we can kind of start this conversation is if you're a Bears fan, obviously the the offense is going to have to improve. And I think most Bears fans who maybe don't study the analytics and, and don't pay attention to the rest of the NFL, they only watch Bears games, which is fine if that's how you consume your sports. But I think many Bears fans are going to tell you the defense is fine. We just have to worry about the offense. Well, buddy, you got a problem with the special teams, too. And and you got to improve in all three assets of the game. Absolutely. And I think that you and I look at Mitchell Trubisky as he's got the athleticism. But there's question marks about what he does with the football. Like, think about that. Well, you, you, you mentioned the start. His, yeah. You mentioned the start his age. Did he only, or he only, you said he only played one year in college. And I think if you knew nothing about football and you heard, oh, he only played one year in college, your first thought would be, oh, he's really young. He only played one year and then he went pro, right? Like the old NBA one and done type yeah, thing. No. No, he's, he was at North Carolina. He just didn't win the starting gig. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think that's where you start to pile in all of these things and say, oh, he's not 19? Oh, you, oh okay. Trubisky's going to have to show us something. Well, my problem is when people describe Mitchell Trubisky, he's athletic, he can command the huddle, but there are question marks about his footwork and his mechanics. That's not a recipe for success. Just because he's got a, a, a great smile and can lead the huddle and it can run a little fast doesn't mean that he's going to be a good quarterback. Yeah. There's questions about his footwork. There's questions about the way he throws the ball, throwing it into tight spaces. That's not a recipe for success. And now I understand that he had, he had, John Fox was his coach and he wasn't offensive minded and that probably hampered him and he didn't have any weapons. I get that. That's fine. But also, he's got to learn excuses, an, excuses. Right? He's got to learn an entirely new because this will be the excuse when they, yeah. if they come out and sputter a, in the first few games. It's a learning curve. Learning curve. New yeah. playbook. New yeah. staff. New playbook. It's a learning curve. Yeah. When, God, when he's thrown to the wrong routes or guys are running the wrong routes, Learning curve, guys. Learning curve. Well, how about if you watch what happened last year? Many time, af- many times after one read, it was survival mode. Yeah, it wasn't. Let's look at number two, number three, maybe number four, mm-hmm. and then your outlet. It was one and done. All right, I'm going to tuck this and I'm going to play for the next down. Which there is an element of smart football that goes into that, but then that's also losing football because you're never going to move the ball downfield if you just do one read and move on. So there's a lot of questions we're going to ask in a half an hour to Patrick Finley on things that he's seen from Trubisky already, things that we should expect to see going forward. Um, last week, I heard Yurko say this. So Yurko was interviewing Dan Weeder on ESPN 1000, and he asked this question to Weeder. I don't, I don't think the response is necessary to play here, but I think Yurko's question is necessary to play because I think we can all respond to it. And we can take your calls at 312-332-3776 on this question. So here's Yurko about Trubisky from last week. I never saw Trubisky win a game for the Chicago Bears last year, and I'm trying to believe now that he's going to be the best player on this Bears team. Is he? Will he be? Can he be? It's pretty simple, right? Like that's a good question, and it, it's a it's a great question, and I, it's one of those things that it's so simple. But as Yurko says it, think back to last year. The only game I can kind of think in my mind was when you made that throw against the Ravens over the middle, and and that throw was like what? It was like a, a long down situation. Yeah, I never saw Trubisky win a game. For the Chicago Bears last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to believe now that he's going to be the best player on this Bears team. Is he? Will he be? Can he be? I think those are all questions that we should all kind of keep in the back of our mind as we go through this season. I think that from that question, you get there's three possible questions, right? Is he the best player on the team? Can he be? Will he be? Right? That's one. Sure. Is he the best player on the team? Okay. Can they be successful? if he is not the best player on the team. Certainly, because look at the Rams. The Rams have the best player in football, probably in Aaron Donald, who's on the defensive side of the ball, and Jared Goff is not even the best player on that offense. So if Trubisky's not the best player on the team, they could still win. Sure. Is the Bears' defense good enough to support a team where the quarterback isn't the best player on the field? 
On the offensive side or the defensive side? That's that's what the I mean. Overall you, look, team. you look at the Jaguars and you look at the Rams and you look at how they're set up and you even even look at the Eagles. Look at their yeah. defense. No, they're, they, no, they're, they're not. Look at look at the Seahawks from years in the past okay. when they had a rookie Russell Wilson. No, so everybody is no, in this love defense with is the not Bears that defense. Good. No. So that's my point. Absolutely, no. is this Bears defense? Can they be successful enough to support? Because we saw when the Bears went to the Super Bowl before. With Rex Grossman and Kyle Orton. Sure. With that defense, with Brian Urlacher. That was the top five defense. Exactly. That was a game-changing defense. So, obviously, you and I both think that this defense is not good enough to to support a team where the quarterback isn't the best player on the field. Thus answering my first question, does he need to be the best player on the field for the team to be successful? He probably does, right? Okay. I never saw Trubisky win a game. For the Chicago Bears last year, and I'm trying to believe now that he's going to be the best player on this Bears team. Is he? Will he be? Can he be? You can call us at 312-332-3776. We're talking Bears football with you right here on ESPN 1000. Let's go to Lakeview and Gideon. Gideon, what do you think about Mitch Trubisky heading into year two? Gideon just tweeted us at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Bleck. I had to hang up, guys. Sorry. Wow. That's a diss. Like literally, right as you were wow. about to go to it, I saw he tweeted it. Thanks, Gideon. And we uh, went to Gideon. See, see what happens when we try and uh, work and, him into the uh, fold. See what happens there. That's we, we, okay. We try and uh... Anthony Miller has had another nice catch. So, Early camp hero, according to Patrick Finley, who will join us at nine forty-five. So I, I think if you if you look at Yurko's question there, and and you think about it, I'm not sure if we did ever see Trubisky last season win a game. I know that if you had a better kicker, you probably beat the Lions off of Trubisky's crazy scramble on fourth down. Uh, you can make a case that that is why they could have won that game, but they didn't. And you could also make a case that Trubisky's play throughout that game is why they were in that position in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, each each uh, action has a reaction, and, and then it's a, an avalanche from that throughout the game. So if you're going to give the credit for his crazy scramble at the end, why were you in that situation in the first place? Um, not a whole lot of game time where Trubisky was lighting it up last year mm-hmm. where you're like, all right, I feel comfortable going forward with this team, and this is our quarterback to save the franchise. Because that's really what this comes down to. He can't just be an okay quarterback. He's going to have to save the franchise for this to work out for Ryan Pace. Oh, absolutely. Look at the way the deals are structured. Ryan Pace is married to Mitchell Trubisky like that. If Trubisky isn't successful... The, everyone's everyone's getting fired everyone so there's a lot and that's that's my other thing we talked about it last hour there's a lot of pressure on this kid like for for basically i guess it's like his it's like a year and a half's worth of experience like it's not a full year because for some reason he couldn't start last year he wasn't good enough to start last year so but for some reason you know you had to give uh, what's his name? Mike Lennon, all that money and have him start just because of the money. My point is that there's a lot of pressure. These guys see what's going on. These guys see the talk. They see these articles. They see the guys saying, well, they could be the Rams this year. They could be the Eagles this year. This could be the quick turnaround if everything goes right. But then when it comes down to it and opening weekend, you have to face the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, right. And the division is good. And it's something that I mentioned to Zetterman and Cap the other day is that a lot of people uh, just kind of push aside the Detroit Lions. But you and I both know the advanced analytics 
have liked the Lions and that roster that's been put together for the last couple of years. They projected them to be a playoff team last year. They disappointed. Mm-hmm. They, they're, for many years, they've not lived up to the potential. Now, what happens when you get a new head coach in there, and now the Lions live up their, to their potential? First of all, they got a better quarterback. Second of all, they're probably going to be a better team from the, from the get-go this season. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at the Lions, who are the third-best team in the division, being better than what you expected because they have a new kind of fresh uh, wave happening there, just like we do, where people are very excited about Nagy and the Bears, right? And in the Vikings, you have a Super Bowl contending team who probably just got better in the offseason. You have a healthy Aaron Rodgers and the Packers who need a lot of help on defense, but that offense is going to put up some points, and I don't know if this. they always have the Bears number. Always. The Bears got swept by the division last year. Swept. Ofer. Yeah. You always split with, you always at least assume they're going to split with the Lions, right? You assume. No. Swept. Right. Not good. 312-332-3776. You want to talk Bears with us on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. Let's go to Steve in Hampshire. What's up, man? So, guys, you know, first of all, I'll tell you right off the bat, I'm overly optimistic. And I love analytics and I get that. But I don't think you guys are actually comparing apples to apples. I think it's more of an apples to oranges. Played college football. Uh, I think the biggest hole in the Bears' defense last year was in the middle, a lack of speed that they lost when they lost Earl Acker and never gained with anybody else to close off that middle to Aaron Rodgers. He burned us so often there. On the offensive side, the receiver core could not be different this year from what was last year. And I'm not saying he's going to save the world, Trubisky, but I'm saying I don't know how you can compare what he did last year. It's almost as if he's playing on a different team this year from a receiver core perspective. But I think the biggest difference has got to be a change in the special teams. If you improve your starting players, then you improve your depth and put better people out on the special team. And special teams can make a 20, 30, 50-yard difference where somebody starts. Historically, if you look at Aaron Rodgers and he starts at his own 15, his success rate isn't that great. But that team so often is starting on your side of the 50-yard line that he just eats you alive when that happens. You can't stop him. Hey, so uh, Steve, that's, Steve, that's a good point. Why do so many people say the Bears have a top 10 defense then if they can't get good field position for the offense? I don't I don't think it's so much the defense with the special teams. The Bears got killed on third, third and long, right? Every single time. You know, a short slant over the middle, a post run. We had nobody in the middle stopping that. I don't get it. I'm a bias, right? Played linebacker. I don't think we had anything quality in the middle the last since Erlacher left. Not somebody who would scare an Erlacher to maybe think twice about pumping over the middle. No, that's a good point. And uh, they have Roquan Smith now in maybe. the linebacker core uh, this season. He'll be there. But uh, but here's the thing. that that The call, it's not that it irritates me, Abdallah, but you can't say that... You, you struggle on third and ten, but you're all... Third and long, but you also have a good defense. That's defense. That's defense. Third down percentage. When yeah. you're bad on third down, you're yeah. a bad defense. Like what? What are we watching here, people? Well, I, what's going on? I think that also you the, the Bears' defense is the numbers can be skewed because when you lose a lot of games like the Bears did. Teams just kind of start running the ball at a certain point. Yeah, the offense isn't going full throttle all the way through the game. Yeah. It changes the metrics. John and Rolling Meadows, what do you think about the Bears' outlook this season? Hi, guys. Yeah, What's up, John? Um, I don't know how you can go worse to first. If you, you have a first-year head coach, a new playbook, a second-year quarterback, you've got 
you've got a problem there because you haven't beaten anybody in your own division in three years. You're competing against a number two defense in the NFL in Minnesota, one play away from going to the Super Bowl last year, and you've still got the Packers, and you figure an improved Detroit team. I, they got to win teams in their own division before people can start talking about them being worse to first. And, you know, it's going to be a year or two, I think, before you can say they're going to be competitive enough to win this thing. That's a good point of view, John, and uh, I appreciate the call. I'm Chris Black, along with Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Uh, Abdallah, we will get a Sports Center update in just a couple minutes. Tiger Woods is now third on the scoreboard. Yo. He has a birdie at four. He has four. Uh, he has three pars. He parred uh, hole one, two, and three. He birdied the fourth hole. He is on the fifth hole. He is now sitting at six under. He's third behind Spieth and Shoffle. What? Who? Shoffle. Huh? Xander Shoffle. What? You heard what I said. How do you spell that? S C H A U F F E L E. Shuffle. Shuffle. What, what was that? Shuffle. We'll talk to Jesse Rogers coming up on a Cubs report right here on ESPN 1000. What? This is Chicago's game day. Molina with a ground ball toward the hole. Tough play, Baez on the bobble. What a play by Bias to stick with it. It's a compadre from Puerto Rico. He had the right guy running a little bobble as he tries to get it into his throwing hand, but he is able to recover and doesn't quit on the play because he knows it's Molina going down the line. This is Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Highlight from WGN yesterday. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. If you want to talk Chicago Cubs baseball, you can call us at 312-332-3776. We'll also continue talking Bears with you in 15 minutes. We'll talk with Patrick Finley live in Bourbonnais. But Abdallah, let's talk with Jesse Rogers, ESPN Chicago Cubs reporter for us. Jesse, yesterday, uh, should we start with the games, or uh, was Will Little wrong in throwing out Javi Baez yesterday? What, what do you want to start with? I guess the ejection, that's what everyone's talking about. It probably affected the rest of that game. There was that ground ball that got past Zobers that a lot of people think uh, Baez would have had, including Joe Madden, and you lose Baez at the plate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's a tough call. Now, Joe afterwards said, look, there's a mechanism in place to fine a player when he throws his equipment. And he's right. You can get fined, not necessarily ejected. Now, look at the rule book. It's pretty ambiguous in terms of, uh, of cause for ejections. Uh, the word unsportsmanlike comes up, right? What do you consider unsportsmanlike conduct? Well, obviously you might think something different than I might think, and, and, and Will Little, the home plate umpire, might some, think something different. And just to take an extreme example, not to defend the umpire, because I do agree he didn't do anything extreme, but you can't just say, well, only a fine is, is the right call when you throw equipment, because what if, what, if what if he throws a tantrum and throws that helmet into the dugout and the bat? You know, take an extreme example. He's going to get kicked out, right? Yeah. So you can't just say equipment throwing equals fine. It depends on the degree. Now, I, I pretty much agree with the masses. He threw it down, away from anybody, away from the umpire, turned his back on the umpire. Seems like you let him have his five-second tantrum and you move on. He didn't do that. A few of us tried to get comment from the umpires last night. We could not. 
Um, Joe is wondering if he'd hear from the league office. I'm not sure what the league office... The league office is not going to say he should not have been ejected. Now, what Joe, I think, is also wondering is, you do get a fine for the equipment throw. You also get fined for the ejection. Would the league say, okay, we're not going to fine you for the ejection because maybe that was a little borderline. We'll only fine you for the, for the equipment throwing. I'm not sure. It's pretty much going to be probably water under the bridge. It happened. You've got to move on. But, yes, it was a bit questionable. However, um, I looked at the rule book as well. On a check swing ball call, if, if it was called a ball, you can ask for an appeal, obviously. But once the home plate umpire calls a strike, and he did, he did immediately. you got to give him credit for that. He didn't wait. Once he calls it a strike, you cannot ask for an appeal. Only on a ball. You get what I'm saying? If yeah. the home plate, if he says it's a strike, I don't care how, how much Javi wants to point down there, you cannot ask uh, for help. So they followed at least the rules, though the ejection, I think, is the questionable part. So Will Little, theoretically, to avoid confrontation, should have just conceded the ball and then asked for help? Is that the best well, way to imagine, I mean, right? Like, I, instead of just saying strike, uh, this is how it is, final, deal with it? That that reminds me of what we talk about in, in, in football with video replay. Don't call the runner down, let the play play out. Right. And then we'll look at it on replay. It's like, you know what I'm saying? I, I, don't, think he, I don't think that's the route to go. Now, other people have suggested on all check swings, go to first or third. Don't even leave it to the home plate. Um, I'm not sure if I'd go that route. How many times does this come up? where it's a real controversy. I know every batter thinks he didn't go around, but most of the time we can tell, and the home plate umpire gets it right. And if they don't, it's once in a blue moon. And frankly, I'm in that category. It's 162 games, things even out for teams. Um, So, no, I don't think he should have called it a ball and then looked down. I think he should call it how he sees it. And if he doesn't see it, if he is in doubt, that's what you use the first base umpire for. In this case, Again, I'll give him credit. He didn't pause. He immediately called a, a swing. So in his mind, there was no doubt. Does Javi generally get respect from umpires from and around the league, or does his flash kind of lead him to if these questionable calls kind of don't go his way? It's funny you bring that up because after game one, Ben Zobrist was in the interview room. And remember in game one, Javi made a great play. Was that the Molina game? Was that the Molina yes. play? Was that yes. game one? Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, by the way, again, take another way from Javi. I watched Molina out of the box. He must have thought, I know he's slow, but he must have thought that was going to be a ground ball through the hole because he didn't even respect 45. I mean, <laughs> he was walking to first base, gave Javi all the time in the world. Anyway, after the game, Zobris was in the interview room, and he said that he, you know, as he's repeatedly said before, how amazed he is at watching Javi play defense. But he also added that he talked to uh, the crew chief, Ted Barrett, who I actually know very well, who was the second base umpire at that time, and they discussed how fun it is to watch Javi play the game. So I think he gets plenty of respect from umpires. You know, I think they get a kick out of him. Um, There's the first ejection of his career. He will point down at first base, which is kind of entertaining on check swings, and so usually it's the catcher. And um, but he will do it, which he tried to do yesterday. I don't think umps are too upset at that kind of stuff. I've not heard from any umps that they don't like Javi Baez or think of him differently than other people. Now, Wilson Contreras, different story. They work with him behind the plate. He gets a little animated sometimes. There's been a little bit of a roller coaster relationship there, but not with Javi as far as I've heard. Uh, you got two pretty good uh, starting pitching performances from Tyler Chatwood and Mike Montgomery yesterday. <laughs> uh, what did you see from those two? 
Well, I mean, the results were good, and I liked how Montgomery settled down. He was off nine, ten days. I'm not surprised he got hit a little bit early, but he didn't walk, guys. And I, I and you could be rusty after that. I, I love everything that Mike Montgomery's been doing. It's not going to be perfect. Um, it's a first time starter for him, you know, in terms of you know taking it in the ball every five days. Uh, and I think he's been fine. I think most people listening would agree, right? I mean, you you can't expect him to be a one, two, or three. He's doing his job, and he's certainly doing it better than a bunch of other starters on the Cubs. Now, look, Chatwood was Chatwood. He got into trouble. He got out of trouble. Uh, One hit, six walks. I think Joe said it right. If it was six hits, one walk, we'd be applauding that. But we all know that those walks are eventually going to come back to kill him. The one, two, three double play was outstanding. Great mound visit there, they said. Ben Zobers said it was the best mound visit they've had. Zobers, uh, Rizzo came in and calmed things down and told him, we're going to get you a 6-4-3 double play, and it was a 1-2-3. So he made the right pitch at the right time, which is probably the only way he has survived in the rotation this season. He has made the right pitch at various times. Otherwise, ZRA would be like 9 by now, right? I mean, he has more walks than strikeouts. Um, I think Ryan Dempster had 82 walks uh, in a season. He's at 79. I Don't quote me on that. But he's real close to passing a lot of guys. You know, we still have two two months left, two plus month, months left. So um, it, it is what it is. I mean, I think if they had a deeper, you know, minor league team or, or Darvish was back, there might be some more options. As I as I've said before, sitting him for a couple turns through the rotation would be nice. But they can't afford that luxury right now. Jose Quintana goes today, and he was pushed back because of some fatigue and, and what, tiredness, shoulder fatigue. Is this going to be a concern going into the second half of the season, or is this just something that they'll deal with it now and then he'll be fine going into the what hopefully is a postseason? I think he just needed that break that every pitcher needs, and I think that John Lester is going to need one soon. At some point, they got to build in some extra days for him. I think that's the case. He didn't have a major velocity drop or anything like that. I think they talked to each one of these guys, and they determined, all right, Hendricks, you're our guy. You, you don't throw 95. you got to go on regular rest. I think Montgomery and Quintana, as I look at this thing, I knew about Montgomery. He had a little back issue, too, so he couldn't work between starts. So that's why he also got a little off his mechanics uh, before the break. So I thought Montgomery and then hearing about Quintana just recently, I think, I think those two needed it the most. I do think Lester needs it, but he's such a horse that he pitched on regular rest coming out of the break, but he's next up. So I, I don't think so, Adam. I think he's going to be okay, but let, let's see the velocity. Let's see the changeup. I mean, it was, it was also about working on some things, especially his changeup. You know, his curveball is usually there for him, but he, he really needs all those, all those pitchers working for, uh, all those pitches working for him to be effective. So I, I think the, the rest will be, will be good. First inning, always an issue. He's a, what, I think on 11 days off. So, Let's see if he has his command right away, but if not, if he settles down. But I think he's going to be all right. They really need him to step up just like everybody else on that uh, starting staff. Jesse, what do you know about the Zach Britton trade rumors? Yeah, he's at the top of the list, and I really think it's going to come down to he's at the top of the Cubs list. They've got some other lefties in mind after him. He's probably the best lefty on the market. They certainly need one if you saw Justin Wilson last night. Um, uh, Anyway, uh, I think it's going to come down to the Astros and the Cubs, and Barring something that I can't foresee, I think the Astros are going to win out on him. They probably need him more. I mean, think about what's going on in the back end there. And uh, he might be the d- difference between repeating or not. That's how much they need him. And they have a deeper farm system. Um, and it's Baltimore who's rebuilding, not retooling. If it was a different team, maybe uh, the, the retool thing would work better in a trade with the Cubs. 
But uh, if you're looking for just farmhands, I think the Astros went out. Um, you saw maybe a Jerry Krasnick tweet, colleague of us at ESPN. Uh, he mentioned the Dodgers up against the luxury tax. Plus, plus the Dodgers would have traded for him uh, when they traded from with Machado. So that, that the Dodgers are out. I mean, I wonder about Milwaukee. I mean, if they can't get a starter, just just load up on their pen and hater. You never know with with what went on with him mentally. You know, would Milwaukee somehow at the last second just try to load up on the pen and keep him from the Cubs? I suppose. I, so Milwaukee's a little bit of a wild card to me. I don't think Atlanta or Philly is, is going to spend. I'm just they're not they're not World Series contenders in my mind this year. So it really is the Astros and the Cubs. And unless the Cubs get really creative and overpay and all that stuff. I think he's going to go to Houston. So the Cubs are going to have to work their way down the list of lefties. Thank you, Jesse. We'll hear uh, from you on all the shows tomorrow. You got it, guys. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Yep, that's Jesse Rogers, ESPN Chicago Cubs reporter right here on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. We're going to talk Bears coming up next with Patrick Finley. He's live down in Bourbon A giving us an update on what's going on at practice this morning. And that's coming up next, Abdallah. Can't wait to talk Bears. Apparently, Trubisky... Just threw one of those interceptions. Trubisky threw a pick. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm re- I don't know if All I'm right. allowed to All say right. that he did, All right. well, but I know that he was he threw a ball that was not caught by a receiver. It was caught by a, def- yeah, a defensive that's a, player. That's a critique on the Bears' PR for not allowing reporters to report what's going on at training camp. We'll talk to Patrick Finley next on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Blocking Abdallah right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Bleck. We are here till noon talking Bears football with you. You can join the conversation at 312-332-3776. Bears practice started at 8.15 this morning, Abdallah. Yesterday was like the first practice they've been reported since Thursday. Uh, but camp is on their way down in Bourbon A. It is, and it's uh, wet down there. And I don't know if it's, I can. It's wet here. It's pouring I don't know if downtown. I, can, I don't know if I can say this, but Mitchell Trubisky threw. I'll, oh, if no. I can, I'll spell it out so I don't get fined. Uh, it, he threw an INT. Who's going to fine you? You don't the work Bears. for the Bears. Who I don't cares? Know. You they can might. say it. All right, so we now go down to Bourbonnet. Uh, their practice is still going on right now, and we talk with Sometimes Bears reporter Patrick Finley. And, I, and, and Abdallah's making a reference because. Finley's the one who draws the pictures of what's going on at camp because no one can tweet out photos or Instagram photos because the Bears PR is so touchy. Uh, Patrick, good morning. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm good. A, a little wet, but good. How about you guys? Yeah, we're all right. Uh, so tell us about Trubisky early on at camp. What have you seen so far at practice from the quarterback? I, it's early, so uh, let me get that caveat out there. He's looked fine. Um you know, the Bears have cycled through, and I'm not telling any state secrets. Matt Nagy hinted at this yesterday. You know, the Bears have cycled through first and second and third stringers kind of with every quarterback. So sometimes Mitch is throwing to guys who aren't going to be playing on Sundays. Uh, he's looked fine. I mean, we haven't had a good weather day yet. Uh, on Friday when they were closed to the public, it rained intermittently. Uh, it was a little sloppy yesterday and very sloppy today. Uh, so the fact that they're playing through it, I, I think will probably pay off. Uh, for Mitch, you know, the first time he's got one of these in, in November. Uh, but I'm not going to, you know, judge him for having a ball slip out of his hand either. Anthony Miller seems to be the early candidate for camp hero. Is this something that can translate to the regular season? Well, well yeah, I hope so. They traded a future second-round pick for him. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's been uh, maybe the best player at camp so far. 
uh, you know, we'll see when the games count uh, how much of that translates. But the Bears are very optimistic about him. Uh, you know, he was a very, very, very productive college player um, and someone who I think slots in as the second or third receiver on this team already, uh, in part because you never know what you're going to get with Kevin White and also because Taylor Gabriel, I'm not sure he's got the size to play every down. Um, not that Miller is a big hulking athlete by any stretch, but uh, he's a different kind of player, somebody who likes contact and somebody who plays with an edge to him. So with Matt Nagy, uh, his first camp with the Chicago Bears, have you noticed any differences since we're not down there and you are? Is there anything you can tell our listeners that you've noticed the difference between last year's camp with John Fox and Matt Nagy this year? John Fox would have brought the last two practices indoors, uh, no question about it. He would have uh, turned it into a walkthrough in the gym. Uh, part of that is because it, I think uh, John was a little bit more of a player's coach. He was somebody who certainly had his veteran uh, health in mind uh, with everything that they did. And, and part of that was because the Bears had a terrible run of injury luck in the three years he was here, and I think he was trying to monitor everybody. Um, you know, Nagy came out Thursday and said that he was going to have a tough physical camp. And then on Friday, he made his players play through the rain, and today he's making his players play through the rain. Uh, that's uh, telling and, and a different vibe than before. Uh, people are excited down here. I, I mean, there aren't a ton of fans because it's raining and because if you live in Chicago, you would have had to wake up at 5 a.m. to get here on time. But uh, the people who are here are, are really excited. And, you know, that's not something I think we've felt down here since maybe the second Tresman year. You know, people forget that going into that second Tresman season, you know, there was a real thought that the Bears could, uh, you know, win a playoff game. Uh, and, and the people reacted accordingly. Uh, obviously it didn't happen. But, yeah, it's just a new vibe here, uh, both among the players and among the fans. And uh, pardon the loud music, uh, the Bears have just uh, started a new drill and decided to put some music on. What have you seen from Kevin White in these short few, first few days of camp? Physically, he looks great. I mean, I mean that's never really been, you know, you know the, the size of his upper body has never really been an issue. But, you know, you can tell that he worked his butt off this offseason uh, to try to uh, – give himself the best chance to make this team. Uh, I think he'll make the team just because, you know, they owe him guaranteed money, which means that uh, they're going to pay him whether he makes it or not. So you might as well uh, include him on the roster. Uh, you know, in camp, has he popped yet? Not really. Uh, but like I said, it's early. He's catching balls from all three quarterbacks. Uh, physically, there's nothing to critique about him. It's just, can he stay healthy and can he put it together? This is somebody who, you know, I mean, what, he's finished four NFL games in his career. He's never caught a regular season pass from Mitch Trubisky. I mean, these are problems uh, that only experience and time can fix, and we'll see if he can stay healthy enough to get both. Patrick, is there anyone off the radar that you're really interested in seeing how they develop throughout camp this year? Uh, Kevin Tolliver jumped on the radar uh, yesterday a little bit. Uh, he had a couple of picks. Um, my colleague Mark Potash wrote about him in the Sun-Times today. Uh, he had, uh, what, 37 family members or something come down to watch his first day at work, and that's a cool story. I, I had talked to Tolliver during uh, OTAs um, because uh, I thought he was wildly interesting. He's a guy who was a five-star recruit. He was probably, you know, one of the best 17-year-old football players in America. And then he went to LSU, and things didn't go well. There were some character concerns. But there's absolutely no question that he uh, has the physical tools to be a superstar. I mean, he, you know, he's built, as Matt Nagy said yesterday, he's built like a safety, but he can run and uh, move his hips like a corner. And that's something you don't find every day. Uh, that doesn't mean he'll stick. That doesn't mean he'll even make the practice squad. But, but this early 
uh, I tell you this, he looks like he does not look like an undrafted free agent. He looks like uh, like uh, he's got the body of somebody drafted in the first round. You mentioned that uh, former coach John Fox would have taken these practices indoors and wasn't as physical as these practices have been with new head coach Matt Nagy. If there are a couple injuries that pile up or someone slips or something, is this something that could backfire on Nagy? I could. I mean, they've got, you know, what, six, seven weeks. They've got seven weeks till the opener, I think. So, uh, you know, you can take a little bit of a risk in, in hope that uh, short of some sort of catastrophe, uh, everybody will be fine by the opener. You know, the grass is slick, the field gets chewed up, uh, but uh, these are things that happen in football, and, and particularly on the grass at Soldier Field. Uh, maybe you want to get these guys uh, used to playing in soup. Uh, you know, it, it might backfire, yeah, but uh, I think he wants to set the tone, and I think uh, it's a risk that matters happy to take. Thanks, Patrick. We appreciate the time. Have fun at the rest of camp. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's rainy and bourbon. That's, <laughs> that's exciting time. Hey, it's better than like 95 degrees, right? Uh, how about this? In two weeks when it's 95, give me a call and we'll compare and contrast. <laughs> Sounds good. That's Patrick Finley from the Chicago Sun-Times covering Bears camp. You can follow him on Twitter. And, you know, it, it's so funny that, like, it, it, obviously it's early, right? Like, we all know it's early, but we, we all have so much thirst mm-hmm. for wanting to find out how this offense is going to look. How's the quarterback going to look? What's the new head coach doing? Can this team actually be good? A lot of questions going into the season. I'm excited. But yeah, like Patrick Finley said in the beginning of his hit with us, it's early. And it is early. This is the first day with pads. And in camp, everything is, well, not today, everything is sunshine, but everything is great in training camp. No, like if you look bad in training camp, right. you're probably bad at football. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's like the same thing with NBA Summer League. Yeah. If you're terrible at Summer League, there's a good chance you're probably not going to make it in the league. Mm-hmm. But if you show up and you're okay and or you're pretty good in Summer League, it's like, all right, show us when we get to the season. And remember, a couple of the camp heroes from last year didn't even like struggle to make the roster. Yeah. And we're like um, a practice squad guys. What was his name? Gentry? He was yeah. a guy that everyone loves at mm-hmm. camp. Mm hmm. All right, uh, are you paying attention to what's going on on the TV above us? Dude. Let's have a uh, open championship update. What as is this? It's music. Hey, I'll give you uh, $3 if you tell me what movie this is from. All right, so what Tiger Woods. trash is this? Tiger Woods through six holes at the British Open is at minus seven. He just got a birdie. I believe that is a par five on six. He shot a four. So he has a birdie. He's at minus seven. He's now two shots back of the lead of Jordan Spieth and Xander Schauffele. They're at minus nine. Tiger Woods is minus seven. He's minus two for the day. Uh, Spieth and Schauffele are both even for the day. They're through the fourth hole. Does that count the uh, putt that Spieth just screwed up? Did he? Did he miss one? I'm paying attention at the screen and not the TV. So a hole out. So Tiger is two shots back heading into the seventh hole. Here we go, Abdallah. Tiger Woods on a Sunday in Ooh. red, the British Open. Here it is. What every golf fan has been waiting for for the last, what, 10 years? You know what that's got me excited to do, Chris? What do you got? It's got me excited to go to the British or the PGA Tour Superstore because <laughs> I'm watching the British Open. Yes. That's British Open update brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. The PGA Tour Superstore, a golf store so, bi- so big, you may need a caddy. You want to come caddy for me at the uh, PGA Tour Superstore? Will you buy me some golf tees? I'll buy you some golf tees. You can sure. throw a bag of tees in there. Yeah, let's do Two it. Two locations in Chicago to serve your golf and tennis needs in Downers Grove and Schaumburg.
Jordan Spieth in the lead with Xander Schauffele oh, minus Tiger's nine. Tiger's only one shot back. And now Tiger is one only shot one back shot because back. both Schauffele and Spieth are at minus eight through five holes. Tiger's at minus seven through six. Wow. How about this? And, and speaking in thinking about this golf uh, of all tournaments to have Tiger make a run at the back nine of a, a, a major tournament. This is the one that's not in prime time. That's it's, fine. It's on in the morning. It's like, so, yeah, but that's pri- everybody who's watching it knows. No one's going to turn golf at, at five o'clock and be like, "Why isn't my golf on?" All right, so hang out with us till noon. Uh, we'll keep updating you on Tiger Woods as he makes his move at the British Open. We talk football coming up next. Mike Renner in about fifteen minutes from Pro Football Focus right here on ESPN One Thousand. Chicago's game day, deep to left field, and it is there. Chicago's game day. He's at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Al Morrow. It's a triple play for the Sox. Base is loaded. Base is clean. This is Chicago's game day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah. And at Chris Black, we are here till noon. We will keep our eyes on Tiger Woods at the British Open. We're going to talk a lot of football. We're going to talk basketball in the 11 o'clock hour with Nick Ferdell because the NBA don't sleep. I mean, come on. It's the dead period in the NBA, and they're pushing baseball aside to make big trades on their all-star week. Get out of here, baseball. That's what the NBA said earlier this week. So we'll talk with Nick Friedle about Kawhi Leonard going to the Raptors and how that affects the Chicago Bulls in the Eastern Conference. Abdallah, it is it is a downtown. torrential downpour. Wow. It is a gully washer. There, there are cats and dogs falling from the sky at the moment downtown. Free puppies on State Street right now. Uh, Eric Ostrowski is producing the show, and I have a message to pass along to Eric. Uh-oh. Eddie Olchek listens to our show on Sunday mornings. <laughs> uh, he, Tracy Butler, my mom and dad, and the dogs, the two golden retrievers, Cody and Hunter, my parents' dogs, uh, mm-hmm. are, are four five core listeners on the show. So uh, Eddie Olchek is not happy with Eric that the open to start each hour of this show has no hockey play-by-play in it. I didn't even know. Wait, there's hockey highlights? Bang, bang. Here comes Eric. Eric coming after Eddie O. I try to pass along a message, and this is what what we're dealing with here. Eddie O is a gentleman and a scholar, and that is how you besmirch him? Wow. I mean, he's sitting there telling me how to do my job. Whoa! Whoa! Here we go. Here it is. All right. So I'm just passing that uh, that message along. We'll talk with Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus in uh, about five minutes right here on ESPN 1000. What? And The Bachelorette. Yes, he was on The Bachelorette. Give him his proper title. Pro Football Focus and ABC's The Bachelorette. Well, yes. And you're Adam Abdallah, so that's what you're interested in. I'm interested in his football acumen. I want to talk football with Mike. Eric t- uh, texted us last night that he was coming on. Yeah. And I was like, two football questions, 10 questions about Becca. He's really good. But I understand That's that. That's why I asked He's for him to be He's also on The Bachelorette. Well, How do you, okay, this is a you sports station, thing. sir, you so know we're going to talk watch, some sports with you him. You know I watch one reality show, and it I is know. the Bachelor franchise of TV. It's more than one show, technically. But yes, I'm aware. I don't, I don't watch Bachelor in Paradise. That's garbage. Maybe he'll be on Bachelor in Paradise. Ooh, we could break some news. I'm going to ask him about Mitch Trubisky, Okay. That's fine. But what I'm going to ask him is, are you going to be on Bachelor in Paradise? 
Because I want to know. Because he didn't find love with Becca, but when Bachelor in Paradise, Chris, I know. anything goes. Anybody can find love. I'm I'm aware. I've seen clips of the show. I've not watched Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, I hear it's a great program offered up by the ABC family of networks. Uh, but I'm going to ask Mike Renner about football. That's the fine. Chicago Bears to start. Maybe across the NFL after. Yeah, of course. We'll ask him a Falcons question. Why not? But then I'm getting to the meat. Yes. So earlier this week, uh, Tim Hasselback was on with Fred Hubner and myself uh, as we sat in for Cap. And I asked him from last season, what did he see on tape about Mitch Trubisky? That kind of is something to note going forward as we kind of try and figure out the development process of this young quarterback. Here's Tim Hasselbeck from earlier this week. When you saw him play inside the pocket um, and then you took into consideration um, just the lack of, you know, I guess experience in college, you know, he didn't play a ton in college. And so I think when you look at that, I think that there were times where you saw him inside the pocket where you thought, Okay, yeah, I'm seeing good. There definitely was not enough consistency in that. Now, what you did see that was really encouraging, and it started as early as the preseason, is the athleticism combined with the ability to to make difficult throws, you know, on the move and I, I in you know kind of outside the design of a play. And so, you know, that's probably one of the things that I, I don't know was talked about enough in regards to him when he was coming out. He's a ridiculous athlete. I mean, he's a tremendous athlete with a ton of arm talent and just natural ability. And I think with guys like that, again, I would compare him to somebody like Mariota, a, a similar thing where it's like, okay, hey, all of that's great, but just look around the league. Guys need to be able to exist on time, in rhythm, making good decisions inside the pocket. So that's something we got to look forward to with Mitch Trubisky this season, whether or not he can do that. Can he develop the decision-making process that turns him into a good quarterback? Because I think that's where it goes a long way, right? Like, Jameis Winston has all the tools, but he makes boneheaded decisions with the ball a lot of the time, and that's why the Bucks are in the situation they're in. You see the same thing with someone like Cam Newton. All the physical tools, but sometimes he just doesn't, have the right play to go to, and that's what is the fault with Cam Newton. You see it with many other guys who are just like, you know, Joe Flacco. He has the arm. Mm-hmm. He has all the talent. Mm-hmm. Makes boneheaded decisions. And, oh. and then the, the king of it is Jay Cutler. I was going right? to say, why are you even going around the league? Just just reference the last quarterback to play in Chicago. Right. Jay Cutler did it all the time. He was a great athlete, had a great arm, but would make risky throws, and it cost him a ton of the time. It's just a matter of whether or not Trubisky, who just hit Kevin White in seven on sevens, by the way, for a, a deep pass that oh, all of the that all of the all Kevin of the, White uh, burned up the sideline. Yeah, we're getting uh, we're getting uh, tons of reports here from the. T- I guess is there like a certain time where you can start tweeting? Like you can't no. tweet the first half of practice. No, and they can, can tweet. tweet. The- they just can't tweet out pictures or video. What do you not understand about this? You can tweet what's going on. Oh, okay. You just can't post videos there. Yeah, to Facebook, okay. Instagram, or okay. uh, Twitter. All right, I get it. What do you not understand about this? I'm just, I just want to know what. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Okay, all right. If someone's, if someone's got a rogue Instagram account that they want to operate, well, let's hear from uh, Tim Hasselbeck also on the supporting cast around Mitch Trubisky. For me, that's the biggest thing is the the supporting cast. You know, I, I think when you just look at the wide receiver group around him a year ago, I think it was it was going to be really hard to evaluate him. And, um, 
you know, I think the other aspect of it now is, you know, with an offensive change and, you know, whether it's just terminology that he's comfortable with, whether it's concepts that he's more comfortable with, whether it's, um, you know, you know, being more committed to, you know, a certain, you know, type of system and, and being, you know, better at, at, at fewer things or just identifying that stuff. I, I think it's, it's hard to evaluate that. I mean, and, and, I, and I think that, you know, Bears fans are probably a little bit frustrated because they're trying to figure out, okay, well, well who is he? Is he awesome? Is he just okay? Is he, um, you know, is he trending in the right direction? I can tell you, it, it, it's kind of a similar feeling that people have about somebody like Marcus Mariota. There's been change around him. There's been questions about the supporting cast, and when that's the case, look, you don't really know until you see him in his new system with his new teammates. What did you think about Marcus Mariota with the Titans last year? Uh, subpar. I thought that he's got a lot to live up to. I thought that he would be more successful being back with the team, having more reps under his belt, having more time with the coaching staff. I think that he underwhelmed, basically. It was underwhelming. Did we get that draft wrong with both Jameis and Mariota? That they're neither of them are going to be franchise leading quarterbacks of the future? You know, like when that draft happened, a lot of people said, well, you could go with one guy over the other. One guy played in a college system where they didn't really drop back. The other did at Florida State. Mm-hmm. And they're both going to be okay, though. Your flavor that you choose to, to, to enjoy more as a football fan could differ, but they're both going to be good. And it seems as if now we're getting through some time and they're both kind of going to just be average. I think that they will never be in that top tier of quarterbacks. I think their ceiling is that like second tier of quarterbacks after we get the you know you have like the Brady the Rodgers all that kind of stuff and then you get to like the you get to the Jameises you get to the it's just under the Ben Roethlisberger's and the Drew Breeses that's where you you kind of start that second tier and I believe that that's where they that's where their ceiling is they're never gonna take that next step and if that's what their franchises want then that's that's fine with them I mean you can't it's a matter of we can develop this guy or we've seen enough from this guy and it's time to move on. You know what I mean? Right. And and if you want to join the conversation at 312-332-3776, did you see this earlier this week on ESPN.com? The quarterbacks 24 and under, and they had analysts and experts vote on who you would want on your team to start across the league. Mm-hmm. So you could have one vote for the quarterback position. Okay. And from all the votes that were taken for this, Deshaun Watson led the way with quarterbacks under 24 that you'd want on your team. He had 28 votes. Jared Goff got eight. Marcus Mariota got three. Patrick Mahomes, who hasn't started a game in the NFL yet, has three. Baker Mayfield, the rookie, got one. Uh, Mitch Trubisky got none. Uh, none of the other quarterbacks who were rookies coming into this season had Jared Goff, Sam Darnold. Um, none of them, I mean, Sam uh a Rosen, mm-hmm. not a Jared Goff. Jared Goff got the, the eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of them got a vote. Does that surprise you? I, I'm not surprised by number one. I am kind of surprised by how the rest like shook out. Um, I'm actually surprised that Mahomes got a vote. But I know that there are guys that are very, very high on Patrick Mahomes. Like Lewis Riddick oh, and yeah. Waddle and Sylvie were in, in Bristol last week doing their show after hosting first take he is very high on Patrick Mahomes his uh his um 
his nickname for them. I was trying to think of the word for nickname. His nickname for him was like Ferrari Mahomes or something like that, Patrick Ferrari or something like that. Like he is very high on him. And so I think that when you look at the quarterbacks under that age, like Goff is obviously the best. And I think Watson is also up there too with the best. I, I'm more skeptical because I want to see how he comes back from the injury. Well, you but know? his decision-making wasn't a part of the injury last year. He was really good in game. Like he made great decisions last year. Yeah. The physical tools of running away from guys in the pocket, that, that might be a problem, but he made all the throws. Did he not? I mean, yeah. what, like what makes you say that he's not going to be able to make the throws going forward just because of the ACL injury? Yeah, I think he's good, but his his athleticism would always on the on his ability to run and what he does with that. Like his ability to if something breaks down in coverage and he doesn't have a receiver to go through, his strength is his ability to run. We saw when he was with Clemson, he was ripping apart the Alabama defense. Like he was able to do that yeah. very well. And before Absolutely. the injury, he was able to do that really well also. And I'm just wondering how timid he's going to be and how reluctant reluctant he is to take those chances again coming off an AC. Injury. Yeah, and it's concerning. So if if you were voting in three one two three three two three seven seven six, where would you place your vote? Uh, I think it's an interesting conversation because Jared Goff, I would not because I think his success last year more had to do with the system that was in place over what he did as a quarterback. Plus, I mean, what he got from Todd Gurley was incredible last season. He was probably the uh, the best player on offense in the entire league last year. Marcus Mariota getting three votes, the same as Mahomes and Baker Mayfield, I think is also fascinating based on what we were talking about. Did we overrate what we saw from Winston and Mariota to where now we've seen them for a couple of years and it's like, yeah, these guys are kind of just average. They're pedestrian. Where Mahomes, there's a lot of hype. Baker Mayfield, this is going to be a fascinating rookie season because if he wins the starting job and he's out there and is somewhat successful and the Browns finally get a quarterback, not only just finally getting a quarterback, but this guy who a lot of people have very polarizing takes on, either good or bad with Patrick Mahomes. I think, I mean, with uh, Baker Mayfield, I think it'll be really fascinating to kind of watch play out with the Cleveland Browns. Are you surprised he got more votes than, he got one more vote than Trubisky's no votes? No, I'm not surprised because Trubisky didn't show us anything. And people are going to keep saying that we're being haters, but tell me what he showed us last year. You know, like someone uh, tweeted us earlier, look at the completion percentage. Yeah, Trubisky had a 69% completion percentage. It was like 27th in the league. All right. I mean, what, what do you want from me? Like, okay, because the, 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 the Bears is, didn't have a line. He didn't yeah. have weapons. So, every, yeah. every, okay, yep. that doesn't mean you can't complete passes. I mean, Trubisky missed a lot of guys last year. That's true. So, I mean, it, it does not surprise me that others across the league view it and don't say, oh, yeah, Trubisky's going to be a star. That's not surprising to me. I think that when you look at the landscape of young quarterbacks, Trubisky still has a, has more to prove than even some of the rookies coming in. Because sure. there's no pressure on Mayfield, right? Well, I mean, and, he's the number one pick, but, and he's going to the Browns. Like, what kind of there's what kind of pressure is that? But it's documented. We have seen Baker play well in big spots and win games and win games. Yes, we have seen Sam Darnold in big spots. Win games with pressure. How many We've big spots Josh North Rosen? In? We've seen Josh Rosen not play well in big spots. We've seen him play well. We've seen footage on all three of these guys. Mm-hmm. Trubisky has some some shady sunball footage against Stanford once. I see what you did there. Wait, what? 
Shady Sunbull? Well, you know, it's it's like uh, it's like kind of like this uh, far off thing in the distance. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he had one game again against Stanford in the Sunbull. It's mm-hmm. like, what else did he do? North Carolina wasn't that good. No, they you weren't. You know, like like for a guy to go number two overall, wouldn't you say that that team probably was was the best team in the ACC? Yeah, they competed. They competed with Clemson and Florida State. That they did not. Okay, so what what are we talking about here? You see what I'm saying? Like, wait, what's going on? Uh, it's not a slight. Show us something first, Mitchie. Oh, he he threw an interception to Kyle Fuller. Are, are you serious? He threw an interception to Kyle Fuller. So he has two picks on the day and a touchdown? That Bears report was brought to you by Olivet Nazarene University Online. Olivet Nazarene University offers bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees in nursing, education, and business. Visit graduate.olivet.edu to learn more. Are you being serious right now? He threw an interception to Kyle, Kyle Fuller. Who reported that? The internet. All the Bears uh, bloggers? Yeah. But, plus side, Kyle Fuller had an interception. All right, all right. Kyle Fuller, defense uh, looking good. Kyle Fuller had an interception, Chris. How about about that defense? Defense coming up big. All that money they spent on Kyle Fuller. I like it. I like the defense. I like it. Uh, Here is uh, Tim Hasselbeck (laughs) from uh, earlier this week. Uh, Fred and I got a chance to talk with him. And here are his thoughts on Matt Nagy, the new head coach with the Chicago Bears, coming into his first season with the team. Here's Hasselbeck on Nagy. Matt Nagy was hired because of probably the the creativity on offense that he's been around and he's come from. And so I think just from an X's and O's standpoint, really what he did is he surrounded himself with a, you know, longtime defensive, uh, you know, coordinator that's got a ton of knowledge about that side of the ball. And so that's why Vic Fangio is there. And then you look at the offensive side of the ball, he hires Mark Helfrich, which I think for some people was a surprise. But when you just look at the trend of the game with, you know, guys with spread experience, whether it's, you know, Brad Childress as a consultant, you know, in um, in Kansas City or, um, you know, just the, the, the various guys that have kind of been around Andy Reid to kind of, you know, bring that type of game to the NFL. I think X's and O's wise, that's probably what you're going to see. And in, in, in my opinion, that actually fits just talking about Trubisky's athletic ability. That, I think, is a great, you know, match for him. You know, in terms of the other stuff, I, you know, the importance of, of a head coach is, is the leadership. Do you relate to the guys? Are you motivating to the guys? Do you handle discipline issues appropriately? You know, do the guys respond to, um, you know, how you interact with them? I think, it's, you know, you just look at how things failed for somebody like Ben McAdoo in New York. That was a huge part of it, whereas you look at Philadelphia, guys are responding to Doug Peterson. And so if you're a Bears fan, you're hoping that Matt Nagy's, um, you know, time around guys like, you know, Doug Peterson or Andy Reid, that they can relate to, the, that he can relate to the players much like those guys do. Culture goes a long way in the NFL, and that's Tim Hasselback on ESPN 1000. And I'm hoping that this team is competitive in every game. You don't get blown out. Mm-hmm. You're in it in the fourth quarter. The final few drives, you get a chance. We'll see if Trubisky can pull some out. But that's it. Like, I'm not expecting any more. Like, I know a lot of people are saying eight wins, nine wins. Some people are just uh, uh, bear down nation. It's ten wins this year. You know, if you give me six wins, but they're in every game, and Trubisky looks like he could be a real quarterback, that's fine with me. Yeah, that's kind of the measuring stick you want. You want to see growth from Trubisky, the young offense, and you want to see improvement on defense. That's all you want. I understand that they they have a, a pretty you know tough schedule. Their division, they're going to have the the best division in football. They have to pay, 
play the Packers twice, the Vikings twice, the Lions twice. That's a lot of games that they could lose just because of their division. And because of that, I see like six wins, but I want to see them compete in every game. I want to see. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. We go across the pond. Oh, no. The British Open. Here is an update, Abdallah. We now have on a Sunday of a major. Blade Runner? It's not Blade Runner. I'll give you $3 if you can tell me what movie this is from, Abdallah, before we're done. Is it it a British movie? It is not. At the moment, through eight at minus seven, Tiger Woods is tied for the lead. With With Xander Schauffele. He's at minus eight. He is through six, I believe, at the moment. And wow. uh, Jordan Spieth has now just fallen off. He, I think, bogeyed that last hole, so oh, I think he he's was behind. On, listen, you and I are not avid golfers. We are. We try to golf, but we are not golf watchers. You and I have done a lot of what Jordan Spieth was doing, and oh, that yes. is a jungle safari. Oh, yes, yes. He, he was in the trees. He was in You're, the sand. He was running around. He stopped for some lunch. Uh, I mean, <laughs> back and forth You're from looking, one side to the other. You're trying to move. Bushes, tall and grass around, and then eventually that? just go. I'm just dropping. What's that? A cheetah? There's a care. cheetah in the I'm background. What's going on? Yeah, Tiger Woods right now in the lead, tied for the lead at the British Open through eight holes. I'm very much excited for this. Are you? Yes. All right. I love watching Tiger. Tiger. Spieth is at minus six now, so he's a shot back. Chauffle is at minus seven as well. They're both on the six holes, so they're two holes behind Tiger. So we'll know how Tiger finishes. Let's see what Tiger teed off about an hour and a half ago, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a good chance he'll be pretty close to finishing by noon when we're done here at ESPN 1000. Yeah, so if you want to listen to some Bears talking, we'll keep you abreast of the Tiger situation. Wow. Yeah. Here's Tiger's day so far to this point. Hole one, he had a par. Four, he had three pars to start, first three holes. He birdied four, a par on five, birdie on six, and then consecutive pars on seven and eight. He's on the ninth hole right now. He's sitting, I think, at two. He's laying two, and he's got a chip shot to get on the green. So he'll probably, uh, barring disaster, will par the ninth hole as well. In the lead, Tiger Effect going on. It's raining out in Chicago, so what else do you have to do? You're not golfing yourself. You're not going to watch soccer practice, right? So no. you're going to watch golf. Games have been canceled at this point. Uh, I think uh, things are in the works right now to cancel all programming on all radio stations across the country for tomorrow. It will be Tigerathon if he wins. Are you kidding me? People will lose their minds if Tiger wins this tournament. However, uh, come check out Carmen and Yurko and Waddle and Sylvie at Bears Camp down in Burbank. They will be talking Tiger Woods tomorrow. We'll be talking Bears. I'm telling you right now, the way he's playing at this moment, the conversation tomorrow, even at Bears camp, will be about Tiger Woods. I know what, I know what the song is from. You know what it is now? Yeah, someone told me on Twitter. Oh, well, you try and keep figuring it out over there. But uh, he told me on Twitter. Don't you have a read to do about our uh, British Open conversation? That British Open update was brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. The PGA Tour Superstore, a golf store so big, you may need a caddy. With two locations in Chicago to serve your golf and tennis needs in Downers Grove and Schaumburg. I'm Chris Black. That's Am Abdallah. We'll continue it's talking about the Chicago. Yes, it's the social network. Yes, that's thanks, what this song is from. Matt on Twitter. Uh, we will continue talking uh, about the Chicago Bears and uh, the Cubs. And we also have to get into Kawhi Leonard. He's heading to Toronto. Trent Reznor made this. Yes, he did. He also won an Oscar for it. Yeah. All right. That's Abdallah. I'm Black. We'll be back right here on ESPN 1000.
This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Chris Blank and Adam Abdallah with you right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Happy Sunday morning. You can join us at 312-332-3776. Or you can tweet at us. We'll get back to you on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Bleck. So last night, Abdallah, as we keep our eyes on Tiger Woods and the British Open, uh, let's talk about the Chicago Cubs here because last night... I. I get why when we talked to Jesse Rogers an hour ago, I understand both sides to how it played out with Javi Baez being tossed and Will Little uh, being the mall cop uh, at the stadium. Uh, Paul mall cop. Uh, yeah, uh, having so much authority where you can't question my call. I get it. I get both sides. You, If a home plate umpire calls a strike, you can't argue the strike, right? But he should have gotten assistance from first base because... Baez didn't swing. He didn't deserve to get the the strikeout. And like in my head, I just figure it, it's a chain reaction situation. It's a cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Baez only reacted that way because it was a bad call. Like if you want to get chesty as a uh, umpire because someone's questioning your call, make a better call. I just, is, is that a fair way to look at? It? Like Baez would have never reacted that way if he just would have gone. First base, pointed down there, and the ump at first goes, strike. Okay, mm-hmm. done. That's it. End of conversation. But instead, I called a strike. Don't question it. The toss of the helmet, toss of the bat, the whole thing. Now you're out because you can't question my authority because I'm a mall cop. And I've this got whole dinner deal. plans. Right? Like, it, it's kind of absurd, is it not? It's absurd that you can't just go to that. It's absurd that one ump has reign over the other's. Because they rotate. It's not like there's a head official and then that's always the head official. Like in the NFL, you have crews that work together every game, right? right. Well, there's the a crews, head official. In the- but it doesn't rotate. I think it does sometimes. No, Ed Hockey Lee's never a line judge. Really? Ed Hockey Lee's always a, a head official. Okay, then I'm wrong. Okay, so he's always the guy. Yes, but he's got a crew. He's they, got a crew. And they work games together. And they work games together. So I know in basketball, it, it's a mismatch. They they pair up four guys to go. One is the alternative, but three guys are always on the court. It's never the same team that goes from place to place calling yeah. games. Like It's always a, a, a pool of guys that they pick from to make up a new foursome each time they go out. So today, Will Blart won't be no. behind the plate. Will, Will Little. Will Blart. Mall cop. Mall cop? Okay. Yeah. Will Blart won't be behind the plate. He'll be first base. He'll be third base. He'll be in the field. He'll be some he'll be somewhere where wherever, right? So why can't he just say, okay, like why isn't that just a thing? I know it's the rule because it's a strike and that's fine, he doesn't have to, but don't be don't be that guy. Don't be a mall cop. Just go to first base. What what does it matter? So what you call the strike and then the first place uh, the first base umpire says no it's not a strike. So what? Who cares? Get the call right. Yeah, that, and that, that's the thing I think is frustrating because Baez responded that way because I don't think it was the right call to make. I don't I didn't see his arms make the swing across the plate. I didn't see it break. He held it, he brought it back. Uh, I that's where I think the disagreement is. Like I get that you can't argue it, but it was a wrong call. Uh, let's hear from Javi Baez yesterday after the ejection. Yeah, I mean, it's not my decision, but <clears throat> I don't think I say anything to disrespect anything to anyone. <clears throat> you know, I, it was a pretty 
close call. <clears throat> I only asked for, for him to check the umpire at first, and, you know, he didn't say anything. I threw my helmet, he just threw me out for no, I mean, no reason, I guess, for my helmet. But that doesn't have anything to do with him, so. I don't know. Do you think you should have been kicked out? No, I mean, it's probably the game. I mean, he, he, he maybe feel offended or, or, or something because I threw both. I, I, I threw my, my back. I don't know what. I don't know why, but. Okay, I mean. I don't know. Did, did you get a chance to ask him why he didn't check with the first base umpire? I did. I mean, I, asked, I, I, to, I just told him it was too close for him to call that. <clears throat> and. He said he had he had a good a good read on it or, or a good a good view on it, but that's almost impossible to be to see it good right right behind the the, ump, the catcher when you like kind of been been down right behind him. I ain't got nothing to say, man. I mean, we we are human. He, either way, he was, he was gonna be one way or the other. The other he was gonna be wrong for for one of the teams. So I just my message. We, we're not animals. I mean, sometimes we, we ask, where was where is a pitch or, or if, if it was a strike, and they want to come at, <clears throat> at us like like we offended them. I mean, we I think we can we can talk the talk the, the things out. If if you disrespect somebody, then then you get ejected. But I don't think there there was nothing there to get to get ejected. So that was Javi Baez after the game on the ejection. Let's hear from Joe Madden. Here's Joe Madden, his thoughts on Baez, how he should not have been ejected yesterday in the game. He had no reason to kick him out. He didn't say anything to him. I mean, I watched the video. That was, you could throw, if you throw stuff, that's a fine. That's finable. Fine him. That's what I said, fine him, but you cannot kick him out right there. He did nothing to be kicked out of that game. He did throw his stuff, whatever, but he didn't say anything derogatory towards the umpire. My concern was that he should have, I, I kept telling him you should have fined him. You can't kick him out right there. And I said the same thing to Ted. He should have checked with you. And, and, and again, he needs to fine him but not kick him out. You don't kick Javi out. If he gets in your face and is a, uh, obnoxious, uh, belligerent, whatever, that's a different. But he did not. He turned his back to him. That needs to be addressed. That, I mean, on both ends. I mean, um, Javi should not get fined other than throwing equipment, I believe. And from my perspective, go ahead and find me. But I told him to kick me out because I wasn't going to leave. I was not going to leave under those circumstances. You saw the game played out after that without Javi in the game. Um, as an umpire, yes, you have all the right to kick a guy if he's belligerent, obnoxious, profane, and Javi was none of that. So that was Joe Madden yesterday after the game talking about Javi Baez. What, what, what's so funny, Abdallah? <laughs> what are you laughing at? We're, talking. We're, ta- we're talking. We're talking baseball. Talking Cubs. It's very we're watching serious. Tiger, you're trying to update a leaderboard. Why don't Twitter has just become Tiger? Like this is not Twitter anymore. This is just Tiger. There is not. I can't. I can't seriously remember the last time I saw a tweet from someone that's not about Tiger right now. Well, I'm trying to talk about Joe Madden and Javi Baez. Nobody I've got cares. one more audio bite here about Baez, the Fine. ejection, how Play it may it. have caused Whatever. the loss. Here's Joe Madden. I did sure. not want to put Zoe in that game. This probably precludes Zoe from having being able to play tomorrow. Um, by not getting his full, I mean, he's been there to play one and a half games. So I don't want to do that to a guy uh, like Zoe. Uh, and then furthermore, just the dynamic of our defense was lessened by that that whole play. And again, listen, if it's deserved, it, I'm good. It was not. They don't need me out there. We need we need Javi out there, and um, it surprised me. 
I stand by what I'm saying. It was it was inappropriate. Um, they they MLB needs to say something to us that it was inappropriate because it was, and it could have led to the loss of that game. All right, so there you go. That's Joe Madden. How are you not paying attention to this Joe Madden audio? Oh no, this is this is why Tiger Woods now is alone in the lead. Alone! At the British Open at minus seven. And just hit the shot of his life. Out of a bunker, a steep bunker, up onto the green. He's on the edge of the green. He'll be fine. He got out of the trap. He's through nine now. He is sitting at minus seven. Uh, This is happening. Because what happened uh, moments ago as we were listening to Joe Madden sound bites is we're trying to figure out here on the, I've got the leaderboard in front of me and all morning we've been talking about Xander Schofle, right? You've heard him in all the reports. He's in the lead. He's tied for the lead and he just went missing. Where did he go? Well, what happened to him? He's, what, <laughs> Where did he? he go? What happened? He is now tied for fourth, but he's way behind all these guys now. He's at minus five, but here's the thing on five, he bogeyed. On six, Whoa. he bogeyed. On seven, double bogeyed. Whoa. He's playing like you and I out there right now. Maybe he should show find another sport to play. What are you doing there? <laughs> uh, so Showflay now is back. Uh, Francisco Molinari? Marinara? What, what do we have here? What, how do you say his name? Molinari? Molinari? Francisco Molinari? Yes. Yeah. He is at minus six. Tied for second with Jordan Spieth, minus six. He's at uh, through nine with Tiger, no and one, Spieth is at uh, through seven. No one cares. There's a corgi. I just got distracted by a corgi. <laughs> what is going on? Tiger, tiger's competing. We've got all things going on here. Corgis are walking by the window. I know this. They play baseball again today, so like this is just like a whatever. All right, Javi got ejected. Whatever. That's fine. Yeah, so uh, Tiger Woods now through 10, minus 7. Minus 7 at the through 10, Open. shot of his life. So wow. uh, keep your uh, ears here locked in. We'll we'll talk some Bears, some uh, NBA, some baseball. But Tiger Hello, Woods. radio producers, clear your decks for tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be Tiger all the time. All Tiger. Get Andy North on the phone. <laughs> 2011 was the last time Tiger was in the lead or tied for the lead at a master tournament on a Sunday like this. 2011. I want Andy North. I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah, this is uh, this is something because right, it's it's taken over everything. Like, is there something that could else that could happen in live sports that would take over the way that Tiger just took over everything? Well, does it also help that nothing else is going on right now? I mean, probably. And, like, I understand scheduled events are fi- are different. The Super Bowl is a scheduled event. Yes, everybody's going to be tweeting about the Super Bowl. This is un... I know that the British Open is scheduled, but Tiger leading is unscheduled. Yeah, I mean, yesterday, after watching Tiger and his performance, I kind of thought to myself, like, yeah, it's, you know, it's he's all in right. The like, okay. That's not... He can't replicate but that. But today, he's playing really well. I yeah. mean, and he, he, it looks like the old Tiger, too. Like, well, like now the, it does. Oh, two hours yeah. ago, nah, you're I like, mean, who's this guy? Well, no, look at his scorecard, though. I mean, when you show out, when you mm-hmm. show up and you get two birdies on the front nine and everyone else is kind of falling away from you, uh, that's impressive. Yeah. He just claimed two more victims, too. Spieth and Chauflay. Oh, yeah. Spieth. Okay. Yeah, All they right. felt the heat, felt the claws in their backs. Yeah, see, Tiger. It's a Tiger effect. It is. Here we go. Tiger's on 11 right now, about to tee off. This is outstanding. This is Red Henley. What's with the Jersey Henleys recently? What do you mean? Without the collar? Yeah. What's wrong with that? What is this? 
What are we doing? I here? think it's a good look. What it's kind of like here? a soccer kit look. I don't like it. All right, that's Am Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. We'll continue talking other sports while we watch Tiger as this all takes place live right now. Black and Abdallah right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We're here with you until noon, right here on ESPN 1000. You can call us at 312-332-3776. About earlier this week, uh, the Toronto Raptors traded for Kawhi Leonard. San Antonio wasn't going to keep Kawhi long-term. They decided to move on from the superstar. Toronto now acquires a player who's top five in the league. Uh, obviously, if healthy and willing to play for your squad. And I think it immediately turns Toronto into the best team in the Eastern Conference. I didn't stutter. They're better. If Kawhi is playing healthy and willing, they're better than Boston, and they could certainly win the Eastern Conference this season. I agree with you. I think that the addition of, or the subtraction of DeMar DeRozan, people are giving that way too much credit. He's not very good on defense. Well, do you, uh, forget DeMar DeRozan. Kawhi is the third best player in the league. Yeah. And it, it it just boggles my mind that I understand. Yeah, if he doesn't want to play there or if he's actually hurt still, it's a major problem. I understand that. But if he is on the court for mm-hmm. the Raptors, mm-hmm. tell me what team in the East is going to beat that team in a seven-game series. I think that they're the best team in the, in the East, and I don't want people to underestimate the power of the Raptors. The well, power of the okay. Raptors and being able to allow, have him stay. There's, I know he wants to leave. I know he wants to go to L.A., but this instantly becomes his team. I know it's Kyle Lowry's team, but whatever. Kawhi's the best team, the best player on the team mm-hmm. by far. He's, like you said, third or fourth best player in the NBA. Um, don't underestimate how much love Toronto's going to give Kawhi, what it's like to have Drake at games, and how much these NBA players care about that kind of stuff. Look at Paul George, they didn't. Th- the Thunder didn't think they had a shot at him, but then they're like, "No, you know what? We're going to make a full-on push to have Paul George stay here." And the fans embraced him, the organization embraced him, Westbrook embraced him, and they got him to stay. There is you don't just because Kawhi said he wants to play in L.A. now doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen at the end of next season. It's uh, a couple things to note. There is the cachet of the Raptors having Drake be involved with the organization because he's not just a season ticket holder; he's an ambassador to the team. Mm-hmm. So, like, he has his own offices at Air Canada Center. Mm-hmm. He's there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is important. Uh, also, don't underestimate the fact that most NBA players love visiting Toronto. They do. You heard me correctly. Uh, players talk about Toronto like it's the East Coast version of Vegas. North Vegas. Uh, so so just keep that in mind that players love being around that city. Uh, they have the cachet of a big face leading the charge in Drake. And yeah, they could certainly lose out. But here's the thing. I, I was listening to Masai Ujiri mm-hmm. talk about the trade the other day. And I couldn't help but continue to think about the Chicago Bulls. As he talked about why the Raptors made this move to get Kawhi when Kawhi can leave in the offseason. But they took their shot at a top five player, and that doesn't happen often. Here is Masai Ujiri talking about the trade. We've been doing this for how many years? You know, you can't continue doing the same thing over and over again. And when you get a chance to get um, 
uh, a top five player, which it doesn't come very often. Um, you have to, I think, you have to jump on it, and um, uh, we've, I, I think. Uh, we've given a chance to this team. Um, we've tried to build it as much as we can. Uh, but um, at this point, we, uh, we got to this level where uh, this opportunity came in front of us, and we have to, we have to jump on it. Okay, so that's Masai Ujiri talking at the press conference when they announced the trade of Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors. Here's the harsh reality. Getting someone to sign with your team as a free agent is really difficult. Jerry West was kind of right when he said that it wasn't tough for the Lakers to sign LeBron James because LeBron just picked out that franchise and he just wanted to go there. Yeah. They didn't really have to do much. Mm-hmm. He was set on going there. I mean, this was in the works. It was something that people were talking about throughout the season. It's something that was rumored throughout the playoffs. Everyone knew that LeBron was going to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Getting someone to sign with your franchise when they have no connection to your franchise to begin with is almost impossible in today's NBA. So the key here is, as a Bulls fan, next disgruntled superstar that comes up, you're going to have to make a move. You're going to have to, because sitting around hoping someone signs with you almost never happens in the league. Rarely. And so the next time you hear a rumor of a player wants out or a player's not happy with a contract or the player's not happy with negotiations, it needs to be on the Bulls to get involved. It might take as long as Anthony Davis... It might be as soon as anybody. Kawhi next Kawhi summer. Next, uh, next summer. Who's going to be a free agent, but maybe you make it. Who knows? The names will be out there because once one is gone, the next one is disgruntled and they become available. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdal. We'll continue talking about the NBA, the Bears, and everything going on. Tiger Watch right here on ESPN 1000. <laughs> This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back to ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdal. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdal and at Chris Black. We are here till noon at 1130. We will talk with Nick Friedle about the NBA, the Chicago Bulls, Kawhi Leonard going to the Toronto Raptors, the Eastern Conference. We'll cover it all with Nick because the NBA don't sleep, Abdallah. I know it's the middle of the summer. Nothing's going on. But for some reason... The league still finds its way into the conversation. Get out of here, baseball, with your all-star break and your all-star game and your home run derby. Get We've out. got a trade of a top five player right in the middle of the week. Boom. Get out. So that's Abdallah. I'm Bluck. You can call us at 312-332-3776. We'll talk basketball in 25 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. So, Abdallah, as we sit here throughout the morning, we've been on since 8 o'clock, and it has been a watch of Tiger Woods. At the British Open, and Tiger is now through 11, but his last hole was not so good. It might have cost him. It might have cost him. He is now tied for fifth right now. Uh, he's at minus five, and on the last hole, he had a double bogey. 11, he double bogeyed. He was all over the place. Um, he also missed a putt that would have given him the bogey. So he two-putted on that. Yeah. He was even using the putter off the green uh, for his fourth shot. Well, he hit it into some roughage, and then the roughage went into more roughage, and then he hit it off a person, and then it was no. just, it was not, yeah. yeah Guy or girl? Not, 
a guy. Are they, is he okay? Yeah, he signed a hat for him and stuff. Like, it was all good. It was all, no harm, no foul, right? So Tiger now through 11 is tied for fifth, uh, but really he's not that far. He's just one shot back because there are four guys ahead of him tied for first, one of those being Jordan Spieth, uh, who is through nine at the moment. So, you know, if we, if we look at how this has kind of played out, Tiger was outstanding on the front nine. And you watch everyone struck the fall away from him. But the thing you got to keep remembering is he's two holes through on where Spieth is. Yeah. So whatever Tiger posts, you know that Spieth is coming behind him with an opportunity to score and get past him. And Tiger in some more roughage now on 12 on his second shot. Jungle safaris right now. He's like, you know, it's what Abdallah and I do. When we golf, like we go right to the jungle and we're in the trees and there's bushes and there's like, there's, if you see us golf around the course, yeah. chances are we're in the roughage and in the trees. Chris is driving. I'm standing on the golf cart, <laughs> kind of perched, so I have a higher elevated view of where both of our All balls right, you watch have been, Here have I go. Hit, like doing, doing like the head over your eyes, like to block out the sun, even though I have a hat on, just for extra coverage. Yeah. Just trying to see if we can if we can find the mythical beast that is our ball. <laughs> you know, there's like vines and leaves yeah. and all. And then, you know, you hit it, you get to the other side of the fairway, and then there's more trees yeah, and bushes. Yeah, so we go on safari and well, try but, to find but a here's ball. here's the thing. If you don't play those shots, then why are you even out there? You don't learn. Like, What's like the point? A part of the fun of being a bad golfer is getting out of those those tricky situations. Yeah. Because that one, that one that I had a couple weeks ago where I had no, no, uh, I couldn't see anything. Yeah. Couldn't see any anything. There's bushes and trees and everything. And I just hacked it as hard as i could it got through yeah but for every one of those you try to hit through trees and it bounces back further <laughs> than it was before you have those like five times yes as opposed to the one that gets through it's still fun though some yeah. of my favorite golf was when you drive it on the like the parallel fairway oh, yeah, right? you play someone else's and then you hole. just go up that yeah. fairway like yeah. eh, i'm not gonna try to go yeah. around those trees i'm just gonna go yeah. up hey, this one sorry guys hey, buddy. Just, uh, <laughs> through. Yeah, sorry i'm just bad at this Oh, is that your title list? Oh, I'm sorry. sorry I, I, I'm also I, I, playing I, with the title. You know. Me too, yeah. You know. Yeah. Me no, too. you go first. I'm on your hull. Or like Abdallah a few weeks ago, hit a car. Yeah, whatever you do. No! I Yeah, I totally hit a car. We were playing South Shore. <laughs> I totally hit a car. Why would they park so close to the course? Yeah, don't park. That's Come what on. happened. That's what I said. That's what I said. Don't park next to a golf course if you don't expect to get your car hit buy a golf ball every once in a while. Did you leave a note? I don't huh? think that's how Did you it's... leave a note on the car? I'm not going Go out there. I don't... He actually switched balls because he... His logic... This is what he tells us. He goes, I'm not playing that ball anymore, so if they come over here, I'm going to say, oh, I'm playing a uh, uh, pro staff. I'm not playing it though with the Wilson. Yeah, they mean. take your fingerprint off. You're good. Like, well, yeah. I didn't hear... Here's the thing. So I heard it. There's... No, no, no. No. Let that me finish. That shattered a window. It did not. First of all, I didn't hear the... And I didn't hear the, like you say, glass shatters now. I heard a distinct, it hit a roof. It went high enough and no, I no, hooked no, no, it no. and I heard, I didn't, and what I didn't hear was crash. Oh crap. Or like, oh bleep. I didn't hear that. So I knew nobody was around to see it. So that's good. Yeah. Not that no one's heard, but no one saw it. Okay. There was also a playground very close. Oh. So I think it might have hit the plastic. It hit plastic or a car or something or a small child no it didn't hit a small i would have heard that i would have heard crying unless it knocked him out you know, so it you know might the noise have hit it a made? piece of, of playground equipment that's made out of plastic no. like the slide you're, right, like you're that. wrong 
I'm the not. No, the noise it made. Okay, Eric, it, uh, a windshield now, when it shatters, it doesn't break off into little pieces. It like... It right, like, it's tempered, so it's yeah. meant to like spider. Okay, yes. so you know the noise of a thud when something hits that? Yep. That's the noise it made. It, it made a not. deep thud mm-hmm. because it, it hit the windshield no. and it shattered ball, the windshield. It was ball hitting plastic. It was ball hitting plastic so. or whatever car siding is made out of fiberglass. Is that All right, so, so like we were saying, no uh, Tiger's this. no longer in the lead. No, uh, he's not. At the British Open, uh, Jordan Spieth is... He's through nine. Uh, he's minus six. He's tied with four others. We'll keep our eyes on uh, Tiger Woods as he goes through his final round. And on 11, he had a double bogey. Ooh. So we'll see how he finishes up at the British Open. And that British Open update was brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. The PGA Tour Superstore, a golf store so big, you may need a caddy with two locations. If I would have had a caddy, I would have sent them after that ball. May need a caddy uh, with two locations in Chicago to okay. serve your golf and tennis needs in Downers Grove and in Schaumburg. That's what caddies do. Yes. They, well, no. They help you with your shots and they carry your bags. They don't know they don't what have I'm to go, supposed to hit. They don't have to go find your ball when you crack a win- windshield. They don't know. It wasn't a windshield. Okay. Uh, so the Bears are uh, about to wrap up uh, practice today down in uh, Bourbonnais, mm-hmm. day two of training camp. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we're, we're looking at this team overall going forward with new head coach, Matt Nagy. What do you think? Like, I know we're expecting a lot from the offense, but how long do you think Bears fans will give this offense and all its new pieces time to kind of gel and get together? Two games. No. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of the same people now that are very optimistic and very high on the Bulls or Bears and saying that they're going to be very good and they're going to win the t- all the all the nine games and above people. I'll put them in that category. Nine games and above. If you think they're going to win nine games and above, if they don't perform in the first two, three weeks of the season, it's going to be the learning curve excuse. Sure. It's going to be new coach, new weapons. They're getting familiar with each other. Allen Robinson's coming off of an injury. It's going to take him time to get things right. You know, Trubisky only played one year in college. He didn't play the whole season. So this is technically part of his first season in the NFL. So, you know, once we get to one actual year's worth of games, then we can be the judge. All right. So you're telling me we can't judge anything this season? No, I'm saying those are those people. Are gonna okay. Because you know that there were two rookie head coaches that were pretty phenomenal last year. Mm, I know. I'm aware. And those two teams also had young quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably young quarterbacks who are probably better than what we have here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But the, the quarterback coach combination that we're going to see with the Bears is probably better than what we've ever seen. If you look at a quarterback coach philosophy standpoint right like Mm -hmm. like we've never seen something like this in this city Uh, a head coach that comes in with the the play calling and all the little new tricks and tools of the game with a young quarterback to mold for him like he is the coach for that guy that's why he was brought in here we haven't seen that no and i think that look i'm gonna give it more than a game obviously but i think that 
you know, it's going to be, there is going to be a learning curve for Trubisky. This is a new offense. He's got to learn something completely new. He's got to get used to all new receivers. You know, he's got Allen Robinson, his number one target is a new receiver that he's going to have to get used to. And look, he can carry around that iPad all he wants and he can be obsessed, which is what's the, the word that, that yeah, Matt Nagy must be yeah. obsessed is what Matt Nagy was. They're on there probably on t-shirts by now and everything. And he can take it one down, one throw or whatever, whatever at a time. What, what was that? It is a cap thing. Though. Okay. One pitch, one throw, one, one down, one down, one set, one set, one huddle, one hike at a time. Okay. One blue 42 at a time yes. or whatever it is. Pardon, one Omaha pardon, at a time. Pardon the expression. Yeah. Um. So I think that it's, there is going to be a learning <laughs> curve, but I think that by half, I mean, we should know what this offense is going to look like pretty quickly. Shouldn't we? Yeah, we should. And I, I think early on throughout the season, the way they spread the ball around, whether or not we see something from Robinson, if he's going to be a top wide receiver in the league, that's also something we haven't seen since Brandon Marshall. I mean, Marshall was really good when he was here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. The Bears have not had a wide receiver like that. Alshon Jeffrey, you know, the problem with that is they let him go. They could have kept him around. Ryan Pace decided not to pay him. Mm-hmm. He was very productive for a young quarterback last year in Philadelphia, was he not? He was. He's not putting up Pro Bowl numbers. Got a touchdown Super Bowl. But he's really good. Mm-hmm. And but But here's the thing with the Eagles, right? Young quarterback, spread it around. You get all these guys. It's not just one person, right? Like you need four good wide receivers. Hmm? You need you need running backs to be able to catch out of the backfield. Hey, Jordan Howard can catch. He's in camp. Yeah, two he's, catches yesterday, from what I read. Yeah, he's catching. Uh, congratulations. You need tight ends to contribute something. You need a whole group of weapons to go out there. You can't just have one. Because that's just not really how it works anymore. The Rams had a bunch of options. Mm-hmm. The Eagles, ton of options. Look at Brady and the Patriots. Always have a ton of random options that just get thrown out there. And, oh, there's another guy who's in the slot who's making catches for Tom Brady. You know, it, it's just kind of how the NFL is. So I, I want to see the development for all the pieces because that's the key. For them to be a really good offense, it's not just Trubisky. They're going to need a lot of output uh, production-wise from the wide receiver core, and you need at least four guys. You do, and from what we see at camp, there's a lot of optimism, I guess, around the wide receiving core. Um, but you also, like, and it may be new for defenses because they haven't seen, like, they'll be, like, you know, you always get the flash when there's a new offense and when there's a new coach. Like, that'll, that's fine. You, they, they might be able to do that. And they face a Packers team whose defense was struggling last year. And they're, they're working to build their defense. You know, they have Aaron Rodgers in that offense, so they're, they're afforded some time. But yeah, it could be a high scoring game against the, uh, against the Packers week one. But I think that when you look at the Bears offense, the way you'll see progress is if they can answer. That's how you'll see progress. If, if they have decent field positioning from what this, if this defense is better than what it was last year, and if they keep up, keep up. That's all you got to do. Don't get blown out and answer. When Trubisky steps back on the field, and if the other team has scored, answer, respond. That's what you want. Like you said last hour, be in these close games, respond, win a game. Like Yurko asked the question earlier uh, last week. When he was in and he wanted to know whether or not Trubisky was going to be the best player on the field. I never saw Trubisky win a game for the Chicago Bears last year. And I'm trying to believe now that he's going to be the best player on this Bears team. Is he? Will he be? Can he be? Do you think he'll be the best player on the team this season? 
What do you think the odds are that Mitch Trubisky will be the Bears' best player this season? I'm trying to think of who else would be. Uh, Akeem Hicks? Akeem Hicks, yeah. That was my first thought. The rest of the offense has... If he's not the best player, the rest of the offense will not be the best player unless it's Jordan Howard. Oh, what if it's Allen Robinson? What if he is a top five wide receiver? But then wouldn't Trubisky be... No, because Unless it's all yards after the catch. Yeah, because maybe maybe they utilize him where he's like got ninety catches, a hundred catches, mm-hmm. and no one else really does anything, and then that's just where where the the offense is. Okay, Jordan Howard, if he's your best player, that's probably not going to be a great thing for this season. I, I'm just guessing because that's not necessarily the style. Unless he's an all-purpose back that becomes a, a catching threat down, like not down the field, but yeah, you know. I guess. But look, look at you know outside of. Yeah, I, I just think it would be hard to believe that he'd be the best player and for this team to be any good. Does that make sense? No, I agree with you. I agree mm-hmm. with you. Is there anyone else on defense? What if Roquan Smith shows up day one and he's the best player on defense, no, best player on the team? Kyle Fuller? No, he won't be the best player. Come on now. Could be. Leonard Floyd plays Floyd? ball. Is he going to play? Right. All 16? We'll see. Yeah. So if you want to join the conversation, 312-332-3776. And my other question is, can this team be successful if Trubisky is not the best player on the field? And I don't think I don't think they can really I, they can get close to being that, but I don't think they can. I think he has to be the best player for this this defense is not good enough for them. I think if they're if he's not the best player on the field, this is another five win, six win team because they don't have the kind of defense that can carry a team with a mediocre quarterback the way the Jaguars have and 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 the way well, the right. Rams have. I know Goff was a lot better this year, but that defense was the star. The, that side of the ball was the star of, of the of the team. So who are the teams you just mentioned? You mentioned the Rams. They were sixth overall in uh, defensive DVOA last the year. The Jaguars. Jacksonville was first overall in defensive DVOA last year. I would year. say the Eagles as well. The Eagles. The Eagles were fifth overall in defensive DVOA. Okay. So those teams, who's second? Second, Minnesota, second okay, overall in defensive Minnesota, DVOA. Perfect. perfect, Minnesota. New quarterback, better quarterback in Kirk yeah. Cousins. Like, that's what we haven't talked about that a lot either, is Minnesota was a Super Bowl contending team, and now they have Kirk Cousins. An upgrade at quarterback. Exactly. Yeah, last year on offense, too, they were the fifth best team on offense in DVOA. And they have a better quarterback. Right. So you look around your division, and you have you have a team that's set up perfectly. The way you want your team to be set up in the Vikings with a great defense and with a good quarterback, if that's what we hope that Trubisky is, is Kirk Cousins going to be the best player on that team? Probably not. He could be, but probably not because they've got a stacked defense. But he's also good enough to where he might not need to be, and they sure. can still win games. Oh, yeah, Because absolutely. their defense, the top two defense in the uh, in DVOA last year, they can be successful without that. So so as we're talking, you know a team that um kind of I, I saw as I'm going through the defensive rankings mm-hmm. who kind of match up to your theory, right? The defense is so good that with a rookie quarterback, they might actually be able to surprise people if they get some, some decent quarterback play. Mm. Fourth overall in defensive DVOA. Hold on, hold on. Rookie quarterback? They will have a rookie quarterback, yes. Oh, man. And they, they have the fourth overall team in defensive DVOA. And this, you know, as we sit here, I know we're early to the start of the football conversations, but this might be a team we have to keep our eyes on. I'm going to check and see what, what their odds are to win the division or to get to the playoffs. 
Hold on, you think. I am thinking. It's not them. Let's see. And their win total for the season is at five and a half. What? Wow. This this might be uh this might be a little frisky pick here. We might have to keep our eyes on this team. Denver. No. Oh. Denver's for reference point, they're tenth in uh defensive DVOA. Buffalo. Nope. Buffalo is fifteenth in defensive DVOA. I'm out. The Arizona Cardinals oh, were fourth. Oh, man, that's who I was going to say. The Cardinals were fourth last year in defensive DVOA. They have a new quarterback, a rookie quarterback. Their win total is only five and a half. They won five eight games and a last half. They won eight games last season. The Cardinals' season. win total right now is at five and a half. Oh, what's the juice on that? They won eight games last year. The over is uh, minus 175. The under is plus 140. That's a lot of juice. But how about that? The Cardinals. So yeah. that that's right into the, the, the area that you're talking about. A team with a really good defense. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, is that defense good enough to get the Cardinals into this realm of, can they kind of compete slash allow a rookie quarterback, Josh Rosen, to learn and play? And then if they find something, like say he's decent or pretty good for a rookie, mm-hmm. why couldn't that be a playoff team? They could be. Right? They could I mean, be. I know they, I know that. They had a tough year. They have new head coach and everything, but like those are the deficiencies and the numbers that you have to look for when you like try and spot the team that's going to make the jump. Mm-hmm. Like fourteenth, the Bears on defense that doesn't jump out at me. Like, oh yeah, yeah, this defense is really good. The Cardinals are fourth overall, and you look at when the Bears were the Super Bowl with that defense, and they had me- mediocre quarter play. Hey, you, play. you leave Rex Grossman alone. Okay. I mean, I didn't know it took till eleven twenty one for you to come in here and uh, give me a take from uh, two thousand six. I'm just, I'm just bringing up the last time we saw something like that. Any thoughts on Kurosinas while you're there? No. Okay. I'm just bringing up the last time we saw a top five defense in the league in this city from the Chicago Bears. Yeah, yeah. I said yeah. in the city. Yeah, and that's and that was the last time. Now they're building that way. And Vic Fangio, hopefully he can get more out of this defense than he did last year. Hopefully the addition of Roquan Smith covers up all that, that garbage in the middle and you've got all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't think that they can be successful, especially in this division, unless Mitchell Trubisky is the best player on that field. And they probably won't be until he is, whether it's next year or the year after. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. This is ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Sad Tiger. All right. So uh, the Tiger thing is over, I think. I yeah, think the done. Tiger party is done. Uh, he's now tied for ninth. He's through 12 holes. And he went on 11, a double bogey on 12, a bogey. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Tiger is now at minus four, tied for ninth. Uh, Rory McIlroy, uh, a long, bir- a long uh, birdie putt. He's now tied for the lead, minus six. With one, two, three, four, five, six guys all in the lead for the British Open. Jordan Spieth is one. Xander Schofle is in that group again. He he got back into the party. Oh, he's back. Tony Finau is now tied for ninth with Tiger at minus four. And Tommy Fleetwood is also tied for ninth, minus four. Man, that was a fun hour, wasn't it? Yeah, the Tiger thing was fun. Now it's over. So, all right, let's move on. <laughs>
No, I mean, oh, uh, he's still golfing, Abdallah. Cancel he's still, Andy North. Yeah, cancel the North. Uh, cancel, cancel the, the golf the, the wall-to-wall programming tomorrow on ESPN 1000 for the Tiger coverage. Uh, as now he's on the 13th hole, a par three. We'll see what happens. He's now minus four. He's still only, he's only two shots back, but eh. for the fact that he is through more holes than the majority of these guys yeah. would probably point to he's not going to be uh, the leader when things end. Well, today. the only one he's not uh, chasing is uh, McElroy. McElroy's through 14. So and and the he, other, all these other guys are through 11. As they say, Abdallah, McElroy has posted a number today. He has posted quite the number. What do you think about Tommy Fleetwood tied with Tiger? I think that nobody looks more like their name than Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> <laughs> and when he comes up to me and he goes, hi, I go, hi, I'm Adam Abdallah. And he goes, hi, I'm Tommy Fleetwood. Go, yes, you, you are. You bet you yes, are. Yes, you are. You are exactly <laughs> yes, Tommy Fleetwood. Yes, yep. you are Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that he looks very much like his name. All right. So uh, the British Open, a Tiger is on 13 right now. He has a par putt. Don't do play-by-play. Don't do play-by-play. Don't do play-by-play. He, he made, made the par putt. Uh, and, <laughs> and so that's what we're watching right here uh, on a Sunday morning. The British Open wrapping up. It looks like, uh, you know, it's anyone's ball game with six tied for the lead. Six man playoff for the open. That's how I'm Abdallah. Uh, don't you have a, uh, a read to do? That British open update yeah, yeah, was once again yeah. brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore, a uh, store so big you may need a caddy with two locations in Chicago to serve your golf and tennis needs in Downers Grove and Schaumburg. Is that because like the clothes are kind of the same? What? Tennis and golf. They no. collar shirts. No, it's fun outside stuff. Oh, yeah. They got rackets. They yeah. got everything. Tennis balls, what golf balls. What do you need for tennis? Yeah, tennis. Eric, tennis. Uh, we've been on since 8, and uh, Abdallah's been doing this uh, sponsored read the entire day, and still getting tripped up by the read. Yeah, well, you'd think it'd be by heart, but yeah. well, like, I'm getting tripped up by this? Is this a, you want to do this now? You want to do this now? You really want to do this? On the air. We're going to talk to with Nick Ferdell. You get to read it. We're going to talk with Nick Ferdell. <laughs> coming <laughs> coming up next, that's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. We're going to talk Bulls in the NBA. Coming up next right here on ESPN 1000. <laughs> Nick Ferdell next. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Doug Brown. A final round battle in the wind at Carnoustie at the Open Championship. Right now, there's a five-way tie for the lead at six under par. Jordan Spieth, Xander Shoffley, Kevin Chappell, Rory McIlroy, and Francesco Molinari all at six under. Molinari has 13 pars on his card today. Another group at five under, including England's Eddie Pepperell, who's already in the clubhouse at five under par. Tiger Woods had the tournament lead not that long ago, but a double bogey at 11 and a bogey at 12 have dropped him back to four under par. He's now in trouble at 14 as well. It's very likely this baseball season will end with more strikeouts than hits. That would be a first. Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe says that's not an accident. The notion that strikeouts and homers and walks, the true outcomes, are the way to go. And I know with the Red Sox, they want the pitchers. They want swings and misses. That's it. They don't want the chaos of the ball in play, which, of course, is what we used to call fun, you know, seeing defensive plays and triples in the gap and that kind of thing. And there's a notion, I think the players have no concerns about it. Dan Shaughnessy on the sporting life with Jeremy Shaft. 
The Major League strikeout record has been broken in each of the last 10 seasons and will likely be broken again this season. The first game of the day is the first of a doubleheader in Philadelphia. The Padres get three runs in the first. They lead the Phillies 3-0. Freddie Galvis drives in two. Sunday night baseball from Yankee Stadium. Mets and Yankees on ESPN Radio, TV, and the app at 7 Eastern. The next chapter in the Subway Series begins this weekend. The Mets and Yankees, today at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. Presented by Indeed. This is Chicago's Game Day. I've made it a point to go try and see all the festivals that I've been missing in Chicago. Oh, yeah, dude, it's summer. That means we got to buy fireworks. There's always something going on. I think I may go hit the Old yeah. Town, the Star Art Fair, yeah. Street Fair. There's, there's got to be something going on every day. All right, everybody in the pool. <laughs> this is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We're here till noon. And now it's time to talk about the NBA, the Chicago Bulls, and big things happening. Big trade. Kawhi trade to the Toronto Raptors earlier this week. And we bring on ESPN reporter for the NBA, Nick Friedel, and our friend. Hello, Nick. Good morning. Couldn't, couldn't our friend be first? No, 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 no. That We give you the correct title because that's what you do. You were on the jump. You're a ESPN NBA reporter, and we're friends. Uh, how are you, my friends? We're good. What what was your initial reaction on Wednesday when you heard that Kawhi was being traded to the Raptors? I was like, everybody kept comparing it to Paul George. Roll the dice, see if you can make him stay for a few years. I, I you know, who knows what can happen? But I think the odds are far more likely that Kawhi plays out this last year and then. Uh, goes to L.A. or wherever else he goes. Uh, I, If I'm the Raptors, though, Chris, I understand why they made the move because you can make this move, hope that you at least get to the finals, although I think, in my opinion, Boston is still a very clear favorite going into the year if they can stay healthy in the East. But, you know, if Kawhi does leave, all of a sudden you can just press the button and blow up that, that roster and kind of start over. So uh, if you're San Antonio, uh, for all the wins that they've put up, I just don't believe that this is the team that we all kind of grew up watching that always had a shot to win titles. I think the Spurs are still going to win a lot of games, but they're, they're on like the high end of where the Bulls have been the last few years in the sense that uh, prior to last season, they were just kind of in the middle. And San Antonio has a talented roster, uh, and they have a a Hall of Fame coach in Greg Popovich, but they don't have the superstar talent that you need to win in the league right now. So uh, it made sense uh, from Toronto's perspective to roll the dice, and if you're San Antonio, very clearly, you thought that that was the best offer that you could get. Can you, you're around a lot of NBA teams as you're not just covering the Bulls anymore. You're going around to different cities and you're covering various teams. Can you explain to people the allure of Toronto and why NBA players love it so much and, and what it means for the Raptors to have Drake, 
as an ambassador for the team. Yeah, Adam, I, it's always funny because guys love visiting Toronto. Uh, there, uh, there's a lot to do within the city. It's a multicultural place. Uh, it's a melting pot from people all over the world. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot to see, <laughs> especially for guys who who like to have some fun uh, later at night. There's a Hold lot on, going what is on. That, what does that mean, Nick? Well, you can't drop in there with a laugh, a standard Nick laugh after there's a lot of things to see at night. What, what do you well, got? There, there's some there's some special places. There's some good good spots in Toronto. They got Chick Fil A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Chick Fil A doesn't stay open that late, but oh. uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> But there, there are places uh, like uh, there are in any big city in New York, L.A., yeah, yeah. where where you can go and and just go have a good time with your friends, uh, or or make some new friends. So uh, Toronto, like historically, it's one of those spots where guys enjoy the visit. But Adam, to your point. Uh, over time, they don't really have a, a long line of superstar players. I mean, Kyle Lowry is a really, really good player. DeMar DeRozan, a really, really good player. Uh, but the only real superstar in Toronto uh, has been Vince Carter, and that was years and years ago at this point. So uh, to the point about Drake sitting there, I think every guy in the Raptors uh, and the Raptors organization itself, that's why they have him in this formal ambassador role, uh, they they all have a relationship with one of the most famous people, one of the most famous entertainers in the world. I mean, that is part of the selling point. But if you're if you're the Raptors, unless you are drafting a guy and keeping him uh, long term, they have had a really hard time landing the star. And I think, guys, as as this trade has been kind of broken down in every direction over the last few days. People have forgotten just how good Kawhi Leonard is when he's healthy. And if he is healthy and he can stay on the floor uh, throughout the season, he is a huge upgrade to them, and he's the type of superstar that they just have not historically been able to land over time. So uh, he gives them a chance. And what we've seen with Toronto over the years, and I understand LeBron is in L.A. now, but they just cannot get by LeBron James, and they can't get over the hump in the Eastern Conference. You trade for Kawhi Leonard, and then potentially you make another move before the deadline uh, a few months from now once the season gets rolling, and you give yourself a chance. And I think that's what they're going to try to sell Kawhi on, on top of all the, the cool places to see and, and things to do in Toronto. Nick, Nick uh, what did you say, Abdallah? Nothing. You said something off mic there. No, go on. Oh, go on okay. Uh, Nick, did you hear what Abdallah said? You don't have to repeat it, but did you hear what he said? No, okay. I did not. Fair enough. Uh, I think people out there probably heard what he said. Uh, okay, so since you've covered the Bulls for a long time, and we sit here and we watch every game and we cover the Bulls, I listened to Masai Ujiri speak when he announced the trade, and I'm going to play this sound clip for you, and I want you to listen to what Masai Ujiri said about the Raptors, and I just want to know if it reminds you of anything that we saw here in Chicago. We've been doing this for how many years? You know, you can't continue doing the same thing over and over again, and when you get a chance to get um, a, a top-five player, which it doesn't come very often, um, you have to, I think you have to jump on it, and um, uh, we've, I, I think, uh, we've given a chance to this team. Um, we've tried to build it as much as we can, uh, but um, at this point, we uh, we got to this level where 
uh, this opportunity came in front of us, and we have to we have to jump on it. So, listening to Masai Ujiri, does that remind you of anything, Nick? Taking a chance. Uh, well, I mean, listen. like when when I listen to that, I just think about how the Bulls had a team that was good enough to compete, but they they built it up as much as they could, and then it was like the decision was rebuild or try something else they chose rebuild and i i just wonder if like the way the raptors are going about this is more of how the the rockets tried to retool their team they never bottomed out they were never the worst team in the league yet they found that guy who was unhappy somewhere and who was available and they made the move and they got him and that's what the raptors are doing they didn't do the bottom out rebuild thing like the 76ers or like the bulls have tried to do in the last year well here's the key though uh, and this ties back to what we were saying before. The Raptors aren't doing that now, and I understand your point, Chris. They're rolling the dice. They went and got a disgruntled player in his current situation. They're hoping for the best. But if Kawhi leaves, they are going to be bottoming out. I mean, they're, they don't have enough. And this is the issue, because I know you and I have talked to a lot of Bulls fans in the last year. They are still unhappy that the Bulls dealt Jimmy Butler. The reality here, let's take a step back, is the Bulls did not want to pay Jimmy as the number one guy. They didn't want to give him that mega max deal and pay him because they didn't believe as good as he is that he's the number one guy on a title team. So the the flip side of the argument is okay, well you could have kept Jimmy and you could have tried to acquire, you know, let's go back in time over a year ago. It was, hey, well Kyrie Irving may may want to come here. Guys, that roster and this is part of the reason why the Bulls made the decision that they did, and we'll see over time just how good or bad that was, although I think no matter what happens, because they have Mark and they're going to come out uh, as winners in that deal because I've never believed that Jimmy would stay in Minnesota long term. But aside from that, you have to have assets to be able to make the deals. And in reality, if we're, if we're focusing this on the Bulls, the only real asset they had about a year, a year ago right now was Jimmy Butler. And that is, uh, that's on the front office. That, I mean, that, that is what happens when you make the push. And now we're going back into Fred Hoiberg's first year because the front office uh, guard, they thought that they could still contend for a championship. It didn't happen. They didn't even make the playoffs. So, if we're breaking down what the Bulls have done and what's happened the last few years, I would still argue that the Jimmy deal, I mean, I was in favor of it at the time. Still, I understand why people aren't. The biggest flaw in the last few years as far as rolling the dice and trying to make a move was signing Wade and Rondo. It just never made sense in the moment. It didn't make sense as that season played out and the locker room became a mess. Uh, but the reality, why did they sign Wade and Rondo? I mean, uh, aside from trying to rev up interest in the team and maybe sell a few more tickets, Chris, look at that roster. It it just didn't have enough. Like, the, the Bulls' flaw in the last few seasons is that they have not had the trade pieces as far as younger players go uh, to to make the kind of move, the James Harden move, to get him out of Oklahoma City to Houston. Uh, the Kawhi move to get him out of San Antonio uh, to Toronto. They don't have the pieces you need in order to to roll the dice in that regard. So fans are, I understand the frustration at the front office uh, for a lot of reasons, but uh, in defense of the front office in this regard, I think they now have two more pieces in Markinen and Carter 
that they're going to be able to either build with or move for potentially that kind of move down the line. Summer of Nick here on ESPN 1000. As Nick Friedel joins us to tell us about the Bulls, the NBA, and his summer. And uh, congratulations to Nick. He's an uncle. Oh, yeah. Uncle Nicky, yes! So now we can call him Uncle Nick. Creepy Uncle Nick. Yes, my uh, my little brother and his wife, they had a little baby girl yesterday, oh, Lulu. Nice. That's so great. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. How does that affect the rest of your summer uh, festivals? Well, I'm going to have to find one in Orlando <laughs> next week because I'm headed down there for a few days to see her. But uh, aside from that, uh, still, still got some time to catch uh, a few of the big ones here. Although, guys, I was trying to look for some festivals in L.A. last week. Uh, I didn't land at any festivals, but I did go to a couple of those pre-ESPY parties and post-ESPY parties, and that was pretty sweet. Thanks for the invite. Nice. Who was the uh, most famous person you hung out with? Oh, man. I, well, I didn't really hang out with any of the famous people because I I kind of hung out with the, my few friends that I knew there. But our boy Dave McVenaman, who... Uh, covers the Cavs for ESPN. He, he he's a <laughs> he's a big fan of Ali Raisman. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, the you Olympian and uh, the the woman who has has been so vocal uh, in a very awesome way and uh, standing up for for what is right in the uh, the uh, the abuse case within gymnastics. But so Dave is a really big fan, and he made me walk over to where Allie was on one of those nights and take a picture. And so that so was So you my, took the photo? I took the photo. So that was the my photo looked he, a little he, blurry, so that's probably why. Oh right? stop it. So he so he introduced uh, both of us. So that was my big my that's big awesome. celebrity run in. That's great. All right, Nick. What are you doing today? Are you going to Cubs game today? What do you got? Yeah, I'm going to the Cubs game. That's I was gonna go check out one of the art fairs down by Michigan uh, Avenue. What? what art are you buying? I uh, there. I bought a couple pieces of what? Uh, what are you buying? Basquiat's. The last piece I bought was by uh by a local artist, Derek Christensen. He he cuts license plates and he carves them into to wood in the shape of logos uh, from teams or, or different things that you uh, you can order from him. And he he made an Otto the Orange that is hanging proudly on my wall as we speak so that was my last big art purchase so no like no like like real art oh my that absolutely is okay, real good, art goodbye nick we'll talk to you later my friend i'm just goodbye. kidding goodbye. i've seen it. it's actually really cool okay i've right. seen it all right goodbye goodbye <laughs> congrats on the niece <laughs> He's gone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. The, the, uh, the, what he's talking about, the, the orange, the Syracuse orange, yes, orange guy. Yes, I know. The it's Syracuse actually orange, cool. But he's I just, just like making fun of He was of just like meandering off on, uh, by himself. Yeah, that's what we have him on for, though. He's just like talking to himself alone in a field. Chris. Chris. Yeah. Guess who's back? Tiger? Tiger's back. All right, we'll talk about it on the other side. Black and Abdallah on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. 
Thank you for listening to the show. We heard from Jesse Rogers, Patrick Finley, Nick Ferdell. Eric Ostrowski produced the show for us this morning. Catch the podcast on the ESPN Chicago website and then also on the ESPN app. Go to the Chicago section on the Listen tab, and then you can find the Best of 1000, our show at 8 o'clock. And then Chicago's Game Day, 9 to noon, right here on ESPN 1000. You can listen to the podcast on the ESPN app. Tiger! Making moves, Abdallah. Here we go. Tiger Woods is now tied for eighth. Oh, but That's he's it? only he's only two shots off the lead. Right. So he's now he's still uh he just made a putt. So yeah. I'm so he's minus five. He's minus five. Still. Yeah. The leader Molinari is uh, minus seven in first by himself at the moment. He is Tiger's playing partner. Justin Rose has uh, completed his round. He's tied for second. Uh, at minus six, Rory McIlroy is on uh, 17 at the moment. He's tied for six. Whole bunch of guys tied for six. Jordan Spieth, one of those. Uh, Xander Schofle is also tied for six. So you have uh, a leader at one uh, at minus seven, and then you have five guys all tied for second, and then you get to uh, Tiger Woods at eight. And Tommy Fleetwood tied for 12th. Yes. Well, that's your favorite golfer. As you watch these guys go around, you like uh, Fleetwood Mac with the the haircut and the golf swing. I like Tommy Fleetwood, and if you didn't hear why, it's because he's the only guy on the course that looks like his name, Tommy Fleetwood. And that British Open update is brought to you by the PGA Superstore, Tour Superstore. PGA Tour Superstore is a golf (laughs) store so big you may need a caddy. With two locations in Chicago to serve your golf and tennis needs, Downers Grove and Schaumburg. How's reading going for you, Chris? Is that really a mess up or just a stumble? Nope. Mess up. Uh, well, fine. You win. Thank you. You seem tired from doing this four hours. I'm show. not. I'm great. I saw Corey walk by twice. <laughs> it's a great show. I saw a corgi yesterday in a yellow rain jacket. It was amazing. Did you take a picture? I was walking. I didn't have the time. It was walking by me on the street. I was impressed. I loved it. You got as a corgi with a jacket enjoying a day. I regret it in the moment not taking the picture. Corgi should always be wearing fashion jackets. Uh, we only have 40 seconds left in the show. Uh, a couple of things we didn't get to uh, today. Uh, this week, it was the 10th anniversary of the Dark Knight coming out. I watched The Dark Knight Rises yesterday. Uh, did bad. you know tomorrow is Big Ten Media Days for college football? I learned something today. Yeah, tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday here in downtown Chicago, We're Big Ten Media Days. Six Saturdays away from the start of college football. days away from college football. How awesome is that? Woo! Woo! I love it. And uh, check out Carmen and Yurko and Waddle and Sylvie tomorrow from Bears Camp. Multiple guests from the Bears and front offices and whatnot and coaches. Check them out. They'll be there uh, tomorrow. And who knows? Three holes left. Maybe a lot of Tiger Talk tomorrow. Maybe. Have a great day.